Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. And Marco at the four score tavern, the four score golf tavern, and it is a cool setup. You can come here, enjoy lunch, and you can go right to the base and just start playing a golf course that you love on the simulator. They've got a great menu and they've got, well, they've got taps. You know what I'm saying? That's always an important part of the equation, either right about now or later on today, tonight, throughout the course of the week. And they've got a membership drive going on here at four score. We'll be telling you all about it. Uh, but B hop Mountaineer man's already back there on the simulator. Just trying to, he's trying to drive par four uh, greens right now. And so we'll be back there hitting a few shots as well. But definitely, if you're in the San Marco area, drop on by, say hello, check it out, because they got all sorts of cool things going on. Uh, and we'll tell you about the membership coming up here in just a second. we got so many things to get into from last night with Kyler Murray's injury, with what happened with Mac Jones and the New England Patriots trying to stay alive in the postseason picture. Is Cliff Kingsbury in trouble? We'll get into all that from last night. And then, of course, leftover uh, from the NFL Sunday, we'll dig into some of the storylines, including uh, the Jaguars still trying to, to finish out on a very – very high note, but uh, let's go to something very sad to start out with, Matt Hayes. Uh, uh, you know, you you have known Mike Leach, have known Mike Leach for a long, long time, uh, and sad news came over the weekend that he was in a serious medical condition, and then he ultimately passed at the age, very early very age, young. of 61, 61 years old. Yeah, sad. yeah, just a, uh, it's a sad thing. Um, just, I mean, he's a college football coach, but he's so much more than that. I mean, he's just, just a guy that's just so well-read, so well-rounded. Um, he can quote you scripture from the Bible like that yeah. and, then, and then quote rap music. And just he, everything and, he did was just to his own beat. He didn't care about what anyone else said ever. Um, and it's just – he's just one of those unique guys that you pass in your life and you're kind of like – part of you kind of says, man, I wish I was like that. Yeah. I wish I was more like that. And, and that's just who he was. And just a fun dude. And, and all, by the way, also a hell of a football coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, yeah. literally coached at three, three outhouses, for the best way to put them. I mean, Texas Tech, Mississippi State, and Washington State. No offense to those three, but it's very difficult to win in those three places. And you've got to be a unique guy to win in those three places to be able to get players in those places. And that's why his quirky personality fits so perfectly there in each one of those spots. That's why he won. That's why he was so embraced. Um, and that's how, you know, what he was – for not only the game, but for life, just grew and grew and grew, and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's fun to, it's fun to look on social media and see all the stories that people give and their interaction with him. It's so cool, man. I would love one day to see a, a book about Leach stories and all the proceeds go to the American Heart Association. I think I think that'd be really cool. Um, just a just a good dude, a fun guy, and a guy that will be missed, no doubt about it. And I can tell you this: everybody talking about you know the the. the it's such a sad day, blah, blah, blah. He'd hate that. He would absolutely hate that. Yeah. He would rather just be a celebration. You know, everybody at the beach and their, and their trunks and driving well, around, and they're riding around their bikes and listening to Jimmy Buffett. Exactly, and just in being their happy. pirate hats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just yeah. being happy. Yeah. I loved this line that Ross Dellinger um, had on. He linked back to a story from previous bygones uh, in which Mike Leach was asked about uh, how he would like to be remembered. And as I want to make sure I get the, the right quote, it was essentially something from Leach. Let me make sure I have it. Here it mm-hmm. is. So here it is. In an E60 segment that aired in 2019, ESPN's Jeremy Schapp asked Mike Leach how he'd like to be remembered in his obituary. 
in typical fashion, Leach deadpanned. Well, that's their problem. What do I care? I'm dead. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. that's and that's what's. But you know what? But it's crazy because my dad texted me first thing this morning, and he immediately thought of the Minshew family, who yeah. obviously not only close with Mike Leach because oh, yeah. they're from Mississippi. He ended up in Mississippi, but he was a big reason that Gardner was able to go on to a National Football League career, bringing him in as the grad transfer from Eastern Carolina by way of Alabama, which is of course a whole trippy story. Right, but, you- but my dad said, you know. It really hit home for him because my dad's 61 mm-hmm. and Mike Leach is 61. Oh, yeah. And so it, it really resonated for him. But I said to him, I said, what's so incredible, Dad, is it's way too early to be gone. But when you think about how much he did in the last 40 years, in the last 61 years of his life, we could oh. all only wish and hope and pray that we leave an impact like he did. And you know what? That's what I was going to ask you, Matt. Did he get his flowers while he was alive? I mean, is he going to go down as the architect of the air raid? Does he get credit for that? I mean, because a lot of that stuff that's being run today, not only in college but in the NFL. I mean, did he it's get true. His, did he? he get never, his, you know what's so funny did about he that get too? His just do. Yeah, I don't know that he did as far as for the NFL. Yeah, because he used to, when I used to talk to him, he used to always slow those throwing these slight little digs of yeah, those guys in the NFL are doing it now. You know, any, like at certain play or something or a formation mm-hmm. or, and he's I, I can tell you this: how mummy who everyone says is the architect of the air raid says always says and it says to anyone who asks him. The real guy who made it work is Mike Leach. He's the mm-hmm. guy who made it work. Um, it's a great story how they did it, too, and I wrote about it today where they they were at Iowa Wesleyan, a, a, a small Division three school or Division two school barely. at that time. Barely. It's like an AIA. Yeah, barely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they were so successful that other teams wouldn't play them. So they had to literally like go play up in division to find teams to play them. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was a typical miserable Iowa winter. And Mummy told Lee, she said, look, let's get out of town. Let's go to Florida. Find me somebody I can recruit so we can have an excuse to go down to Florida. It's literally the only reason they went down there. They were going to recoup and recalibrate and, mm-hmm. you know, get out of the cold. So on the day they were going to leave, he found a recruit. Leach did. A kicker of all things. Found a recruit. In Key West, of all places. Yeah. That's hmm. funny. So uh, Why was he so, down there? He was listening to Brothers. Right. So, that's why. So they get, they, the day they're going to leave, they're going to fly to Orlando, drive from Orlando to Key West, which right. is, think about that. That's probably seven hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Six, seven hours. At least, yeah. maybe eight. Okay, maybe eight. eight. Okay, all so, right. So they're going to drive, make that drive, those two in a car. I'd love to, be, by the way, just be a flying wall in that car. Um, so the day they're going to leave, Leach, who's infamously late for everything, he literally goes on his own time for everything. Um, he's late again. He gets, so, so this is the way Mommy tells it. I'm sitting there and I'm waiting for him. He says, and I'm thinking to myself, if he doesn't come in 10 minutes, we're not going. Mm-hmm. So right as he's getting ready to lock his kitchen door, because he had it open for Leach, Leach, Leach walks in, his hair is all disheveled, looks like he had to shower, looks like he's Always been up been all night. Way. Right. And, and Mommy said, let's go, man, we got to go. And Leach was like, what? So they get in the car, they go, they fly to Orlando, and after flying to Orlando, Leach tells Mommy, hey, listen, there's a guy down there who works for the uh, United, United Football States Football League of American, whatever it was, mm-hmm. the USAFL or something, mm-hmm. the Orlando Thunder, okay, right. that team. Mm. He says, I know this guy, Don Matthews. He was a legend in the CFL. He's got some great blocking schemes. Now, Mummy, to this day, if you ask him, will say, Leach is the best offensive line coach in football, any level. He's phenomenal, okay? Offensive line, think about mm-hmm. that. So, Mummy says, all right, let's go, let's go watch him. So, we, they go down there. They go to the practice. And Mummy says to Don Matthews, show me your best drill. So, he shows him this drill called the bandit drill where they literally have an offensive defense on either sideline, and in between plays, they are running them on the field as mm-hmm. fast as they can, running off a play as fast as they can. 
He said, I looked at Mike and I said, this is what we need for our offense. And that's literally how the run and shoot, uh, excuse me, the air raid was born. Yeah. That's it. it. it, it and Lee well, said, and then, and then yeah. Mommy told me, just think about this. If he was five more minutes late, we're not making that trip to Orlando. We're not happened. doing that. Never would happen. And if I could well, give yeah. you one more yeah. from the Iowa ranks from, again, this is before I came here to cover the SEC and cover the Jags, but when I was working out there in Iowa, my introduction to Mike Leach from some of the sports writers, including Scott Docterman at The Athletic, who actually, while in high school, he was covering as a high school student, Iowa Wesleyan, and two of his good friends and his classmates ended up being recruited to play for How Mummy and Mike Leach at Iowa Wesleyan. But what Scott always told me the story was, was that as opposed to going to the Des Moines Register or even going to the Burlington Hawkeye and running, hey, like we're looking for coaches, we're looking for players, we're going to do tryouts, as opposed to running ads in those papers to look for coaches and players. Because Leach was also the SID, mind you. He wasn't just the assistant, the offensive coordinator, assistant head football coach. He went to the Chicago Tribune. And they would run, run the ads in the Chicago Tribune. And people looked at them like <laughs> they were nuts. Dude. They said, who the heck wants to come to Southeast Iowa? And he said, well, we got to think big to be big. And yeah, that's but, what they did. Well, listen, I got my taste of uh, the air raid when I was coaching the FIU. I think it was my second year FIU. I didn't know Leach was the, the coach, but I just remember the offensive line. They had like three-foot splits. All right, they, they, they had like three-foot splits. splits. Wide man. splits, right? And – they put a 60-bird on us, right? Oh, right. No. They put, being 66-3, I had no idea who Leach was. But all I remember is I, how the coaches go and shake hands with everything. Yeah. And I believe I, I reached out and shook his hand, and he said, I think he said, we're pretty good, huh? <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think that's what he said. But that was, I mean, that's when they had Crabtree. Right. I mean, they were just throwing alley-oops to him oh, the yeah. whole freaking game. And I have never experienced anything. I mean, because I had all the success in college and the professional level. To have somebody put a 60-bird on us like it was nothing was just deflating for me as a coach. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, it's, it's one of those humbling moments, and your, you know, your direct connection is, oh, that's going to work. You, know, you feel that that, that offense is going to work. And, look, it was ridiculed, criticized, second-guessed, you know, all that type of stuff. And, and little by little, it's morphed. It's you know, had hybrids that have come off of it. But Cliff Kingsbury, who's coaching last night, has a direct tie to him. There's so many other guys that have a direct tie to him. Uh, and and the, the legendary story way back when because Ackerman was, was under Mike Leach. And Brady, good, yeah. Yeah, Brady, a good friend of mine. And, and so he would tell stories, and, and we were just cracking up one time, um, him sitting out by the pool 3 a.m., and they got to play one of the top-ranked teams uh, in America the next day, and he's just still out there chilling, just hanging out, uh, having a big time. And then we would see uh, Danner Holgerson at the Daytona 500 and, you know, just had this family of coaches that, that came straight from that. You could call it a how mommy tree, but it's more a Mike oh, Leach yeah, tree. It really is. And so I had that old Texas Tech uh, Mike Leach autographed helmet for a long, long time that I held on to from him, which was kind of cool. Uh, and he's just, he's just different. And, Is there and another I, and I coach that, that we could have? Yeah. We could sit around right now, and obviously we're so upset about, you know, the loss of Mike Leach, way too young at 61. But name me another coach that four people relatively from, you know, have ties to Florida, mm-hmm. but none yeah. of us have directly outside of Matt covered Mike Leach on a day-to-day basis. But we no. all have stories. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think there's another coach, and, regardless of sport in America, that you I, could find someone like I that. Talked, I bet I talked to Flint Minshew on the phone for a half hour about Mike Leach. Mm. I mean, think about that. That's the impact that he had on Gardner. Yeah, I mean, yeah, any coach is going to have a, a direct influence on your kid. And just like my father, when he left me at Miami, you leave your kid in the hands of a coach. You expect him to take care of him for those next 
four or five years so that you're going to have a relationship yeah. and you have ties with that coach because you're going to see him on an on-and-on basis, coming to campus, coming on campus, coming to practice, coming to games, after games, meetings, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you build a bond with those parents as, as a coach and, and, and vice versa. The and you're the, perfect, you're the perfect example, Leon. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a lifelong relationship. It is. It yeah. is. I mean, look at Coach Campo. Yeah. I, I Listen, I know his name is Dave, but yeah. – it's the reason why I call him coach. Yeah, yeah. He was he was there when respect. I was exactly respect, yeah. and he was there when I was virtually a kid, a teenager, trying to find myself. Yeah. So yeah, let me let me give you the classic Leach story. Okay, this is before I ever met him. This was mm-hmm. probably two thousand. God, I bet it was like two thousand four or five, and I called him. I called the Texas Tech publicity department. And said, hey, I want to talk to Mike because I'm coming out there and do a story on him. So I want to call him just to introduce myself to him, tell him who I am, everything. So I introduced myself, and we literally start talking about nothing but football. And like 45 minutes later, I hear, toilet. <laughs> and I said, Mike, were you on the toilet? And he goes, yeah, I figured it was a good conversation. You know, <laughs> I, I didn't want to stop it. So, And I knew right then. Uh-huh. That's my kind of dude. Yeah, that's him. That's a fair question. I, I knew right then, man. That yeah. was my kind of dude. Yeah, and, and there, literally, that he is as simple and uh, revealing, and yet you don't quite know what's coming next. And one of the classic ones that I, I truly will remember from this past year, and it was deep, and people made fun of it, but I laughed uh, listening to it and learned from it, is that he said Mississippi State scored on anybody in the SEC not named Alabama. They averaged 30 – they averaged three dozen points, 36 points or more, but against Alabama, they couldn't score. They didn't have a touchdown, I think, in the five games they had played previous. They hadn't broke six points. They finally scored a touchdown in this last game on the last play of the game, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, he comes out of the game basically saying, I think my players are afraid of their uniforms. And you're like, what? And – the questioner probably said, what? And he said, think about it. It's their uniforms that they're scared of. And then he went into his deep, deep thinking explanation, and yeah. it, that's what it was. They see – they fear strikes when they see crimson, and that's what he was trying to explain. Get out of those uniforms. You can play those, those players head up, but you're scared of those uniforms. I thought it was a great line. Now, I don't know if there is an award for this or not, uh, for offensive coordinator – of the year in college football, but wouldn't that be a cool award to be the Mike Leach Award yeah. for OC? Yeah, yeah. for innovation. That would be pretty cool. Innovations. Yeah. 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 That would be a pretty cool idea if the NCAA comes up with that, Mike uh, Leach Award. Yeah. It, it, it also it, makes me happy, as I wanted to confirm it, but, yes, that final score in the Egg Bowl, which will be the final game that Mike Leach coached, uh-huh. was a win, Yeah, 24-22. Yeah. Uh, and that was a, it was a good battle, by the way. They went back and forth, and that's when uh, – I'm trying to remember what Jackson Dart did late. But, anyway, Mississippi State made enough plays to win that game. So, man, what do you think is his most – most achieving win as far as a coach goes because I wow. I remember the game when they beat number one Texas when they were Texas that's at Texas it. Tech that's probably just because well, Crabtee, Crabtee, yeah Crabtee yeah, the, 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 the last the, throw from Harrell yeah. yeah that's probably it because Leon um, the Texas such a such a big rivalry for them that you know they've always been the little stepbrother to Texas as mm-hmm. everybody is in that state yeah um, and just winning that game in that season where they were unbeaten until they got crushed by. Oklahoma, um, that's probably his best one, I would think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, if, if there ever was a segue, and I know it because we knew, obviously, with Mike Leach suffering this massive heart attack on Sunday, there was part of me last night watching his mentee, his guy Cliff Kingsbury. There was so much of me that was like, man, 
I can't imagine what Cliff's going through, having played quarterback for Mike yeah. Leach, having learned under him, having coached under him, having to coach in that game last night, and then well, the Cardinals promptly got their the snot handed yeah. out of them. I was going to say, you add the, the final line to that, he's coaching for his first job. That's what he's doing right now. Cliff Kingsbury is right now on a tightrope to keep his job. And Kyler Murray going down last night was one of the worst possible things that could have happened, A, for Kyler, uh, because we're talking it looks like a serious injury. And we'll keep an eye on, on social media for the latest that comes out once that MRI is out. But Kyler goes down. Kingsbury's got a real legitimate shot of going down. It has not worked the way that they were hoping after making it to the postseason last year, Leon. They made it to the postseason. Yeah. They got embarrassed in that game, and they haven't recovered since, really. Yeah, I mean, he, listen, right now he's auditioning for his job moving forward. And you got to understand, they just gave Kyler Murray $182 million. Guaranteed. Guaranteed money. Clinsburg makes, what, 4 to $5 million. They could swallow that pill a lot easier than yeah. they could swallow $182 million. So, yeah, that, and I'm, I'm pretty sure what ownership is looking at, be looking at not only the front office but the coaching staff, how you finish these next four games? Yeah. How, how are you looking without Tyler, without uh, Kyler Murray? I mean, yesterday. I mean, listen. I, I looked at their schedule and looked at some of the teams that they've lost to. I mean, they they lost to some pretty good teams mm-hmm. that they lost to. But I mean, Coke McCoy is not the answer. But but how they how they play offensively and defensively moving forward can ultimately dictate if he keeps his job. My thing is they lost four of five to end the year last year and then got whipped up by the Rams in the first round of the playoffs. Spanked. Spanked Spanked by the Rams. They also lost five of seven to end the year the season before. Yeah. That was last year. No, that was the same. Same. They lost five of six and then so got smoked. That was so 2020. Yeah. And then, five, yeah, so let's do the math. One, yeah. two, three, that was, four. That would have been six so of seven. So it, it was five yeah. of eight that yeah. they lost to end the year last year, as opposed yeah. to five of seven the season before that with, again, Cliff Kingsbury is the head coach, Kyler Murray is the quarterback, and then Kime is the general manager. So yeah. I understand all three were given a massive payday over the off season, but someone's head has to roll in light of yet another not only slide – but a disappointing season out in the desert. Yeah, the, the, the way they may look at this is if Kyler Murray goes down in early December, you won't see him until September at the earliest, if we're being realistic, okay? Honestly, if we're being realistic. Ten months. Yeah, a 10-month deal to make sure that, you're, that you can play close to what you played before. Yeah. You know, everyone says you can come back six months, you can make maybe six to nine months. Adrian Peterson's – an exception Freak to nature. the rule. Freak exactly. And then rush for 2000. Exactly. OBJ, who's had multiple ACLs, so it's, it's certainly understandable why it's taken him a little bit longer to come back. But mm-hmm. he's right on that. He's basically on that 10-month line. He's on that he tore it in yep. early February. Yep. Uh, anyway, Kyler Murray, he's going to have to be basically, I would think, insulated from harm for a while. So you might just go ahead and cut the, the, the Cliff Kingsbury cord and go hire a new guy and start to figure out what you got. I think their GM has been there for a long, long time. I I mean, I don't think it's going to be the losses. I think it's going to be the relationship between Kyler and Cliff. Which was already strained before the money. That gets Cliff out of there. I think Cliff's gone. And yeah. I think it's about that. I agree. I think it's more about that than anything else. Oh, you might be right. But, but here's what's so funny. And, look, I don't want to uh, – Kyle Murray's hurt, okay? I, I feel bad for him. But he has not played well. Yeah. Okay? He has a, he has a hand in this, all right? It's, it's not just very the coach. Say, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he has had a hand in this. And he also alienated himself quite a bit during the offseason when he stripped away uh, the Arizona colors on social media. Anyway, he got his deal and came back out this year and really has not been the same guy. 
Leon. He's not yeah. been the same cat. Well, I mean, what's a little even more alarming to me is that, you know, I actually watched a video of Patrick Peterson, and he talked about uh, Kyler Murray. Is, he said that he's selfish. He's not really a good leader. Uh, teammates really don't like him. Now, he said this after he left after the he team. Left, or right? he left the team. <laughs> but it's still a little alarming when you think about it. it. I mean, is. listen, I don't care about – I don't need you to be likable in the locker room, but I got to be able to trust you. Right. And I got to believe that when I get in the huddle with you, you're going to take me to the promised yeah. land. And I'm, and I'm not sure Kyler Murray has that vote of confidence amongst his teammates. And that's, that's – I don't believe – I guess what Patrick Peters was basically saying, that his teammates don't believe he's the guy. Right. And that's, that's – To get the, it done. That's scary. That's damning. Now, just but, compare but, but think about that. If the teammates are thinking that and they still paid them, Oh, my God. I mean, what does that say about the organization? Yeah. So, Ru- Russ Wilson, if you do the comparison, right. you didn't have to like him, but he no. made plays. Yes. Right? Yes. And that's all I can think. I had a friend of mine text me last night and say, so where is Kyler playing next year? It would be, at least from this vantage point, it would be like a Russell Wilson disaster. Yeah. Moreover, who's going to take that money for yeah, a guy who, as exactly. Leon just said, really hasn't because, produced? Because mm-hmm. Russ had produced. And that's why they were willing to, to put that cash out there and, and go get him. And obviously, he's not lived up to that. But that was a quarter-billion-dollar mistake, basically. Right now, it's the way it's looking. And the, the Cardinals made the mistake now. Someone is not going to jump at, the, at yeah. the chance to go take that money off Yeah, I mean, I can't help books. but look at him differently because of that playoff game against the Rams. Because Dude. he was disheveled, scared, running scared. I mean, didn't have any real fight about him. It's like he was – I mean, don't get me wrong now, that, that, that Rams defense was ferocious and frightening, mm-hmm. especially during that Super Bowl year. But he just shrank. He yeah. shrank at the biggest moment. Let's do a quick comparison. And these are the two that we, you and all of us have talked about. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts looked lost in the postseason last year, and they got quickly bounced out of the postseason. They were gone, just like Kyler Murray in the Arizona Cardinals. Both quarterbacks looked lost this year. Jalen Hurts comes, comes back with his Nick Sirianni-led Eagles, second year that Sirianni's been there, able to take him postseason his first year. They go and add more pieces to his offensive puzzle, and what is he doing? He's having an MVP type of year. But You go out there to the desert, yeah. and it was dry and deserted. There wasn't a whole lot. But Jalen Hurts still has that on his plate yeah. that he's strong until True. he shows up during the postseason. True. I mean, listen, legends are made in the postseason. I mean, he's having an outstanding season. But how he performs in the, po- in the playoffs, yeah, because you remember, you, remember the, you remember the knock on Lamar? Lamar Jackson was MVP. Uh-huh. He was show he was showtime uh, during the regular season, but then when the playoffs got, he shrank. Yeah, I'm not saying that's going to happen to get Jalen Hurts, but that's still that, that's still on his plate that he showed up short in the playoffs last year. It's, it's fair to say it. It's for sure. All right, now we have got all sorts of things happening here. Four Score Golf Tavern, and they've got really cool things going on right now and they're trying to get you set up with a four score event package uh, that you might want to be able to bring the office out the family out whatever it might be you can take a look at their membership opportunities you can take a look at that menu uh, which we have right now now when they first opened this bad boy up they had the uh, yes know, they were still yeah they were it was just beer and, and, and ball beer and ball but they were they were building towards uh, what they call uh, birdies bites and beers yeah uh, they finally have the bites part of it now mm-hmm. and so very exciting to see the full food menu menu that they also have again they do lunch and dinner here they're open at 11 a.m every day till late so make sure you stop on by especially today because number one you could come 12 to 3 at lunchtime and hang with us here on xl primetime or you could come 5 to 8 p.m if you want to wait till you get off work because they're doing their membership drive yeah I'm so looking at it. complimentary beer and wine snacks 
you get to enter into a raffle for a Scotty Cameron putter valued at four hundred dollars. And, and look, it's I look around. Sweet. Yeah, I look around San Marco, and it's so easy to get to uh, from any anywhere on the South Bank. Just come on by. You can pull right off of I ninety five onto Atlantic. You're here before you know it. Fourteen oh seven Atlantic Boulevard, four score golf tavern. Come on, say hello to us, and make sure you check out everything they got going on. Uh, a beautiful setup here uh, on a Tuesday. <laughs> I don't understand those nylon shorts. You know, you jog around and your stuff flaps all over the place. I, uh, you know, I've never liked those. We saved you a seat. It's Lunch with Leon on 1010XL. Brought to you by Wingstop. Uh, phenomenal is the best way to describe it, Matt Hayes. There's no one like Mike Leach, one of one. I think I saw that eight times on the Twitter timeline this morning, and it couldn't be more accurate. Or, or one of one for J.J. to put that together right there and make sure that he paid proper tribute you to know, Mike the thing Leach. Is too, with to, Leachy, to put a smile on our face this, is, is what it is. This you know? is what I joke with him about all the time, too, and you think about it's true. He just said the quiet stuff out loud. Yep. That's why everybody loved him. Yeah. Like, he didn't care what anyone thought and said the well, quiet stuff that no one said, but everyone thought just like that thing. Your yeah, stuff's yeah. jumping just, all around. This, well, no one beautiful. would say that, but he does. Yeah. What's the nylon shorts? I have no idea what you're yeah. talking about. Jogging, oh, jogging shorts. shorts. Oh, the jogging yeah. shorts. Yeah. Oh, he's, the got, the runner's he's shorts. got a point. He's yeah. got a point. Yeah. Yeah. Like biker shorts. Yeah, yeah but, you're, but yeah. you're not saying that, especially oh, public. No, no. no, but yeah. But, yeah. but you're thinking it. Yeah. It's like close it up. Close up shop. Okay, it's, it's, it's not necessary. You don't want to see that. It is eye yeah. yeah. I liked this one from Marshall from Keystone off a text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures, <clears throat> which you can get in on the conversation at 641-1010. Send us your favorite Mike Leach story if you have one. Keep swinging that sword. Uh, Marshall says, don't feel sad for what we have lost in Mike Leach, but celebrate what we have had in experiencing him. Yeah, I think that's true. the best it's, way to put it. It is really hard to look at it that way uh, for the family at such an early age. But, yeah, you do have to, you know, the life lived. And, and, and look, it's, it's terrible because you you hear these scary things all the time. Heck, we came from Pat Young's uh, foundation fun mm-hmm. fundraiser yesterday, and it was so moving. Uh, and, and Patrick gave a couple of speeches afterwards after our show was over. And it's just uh, the, the, the challenges that he has taken on since the challenge of being paralyzed from the waist down. He meets them head on. And he's like, I am not going to waste. And he gave out the number of something in the neighborhood of 86,000 seconds uh, a day. You're going to let 1,000 seconds ruin all that, that other uh, time that you have? And it was, just, it was just beautiful. And so Pat meets it head on. And Mike Leach decided to live a life that was probably just a little unordinary. Uh, and he lived it his way, and he lived it the right way, uh, as, far as, as far as we can tell. It's he, just sad as heck to see him go, you know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Let's move on to the Jaguars. I want to get to the Big Cats, obviously, home this weekend against the Dallas Cowboys. I I just saw my uh, rundown email from one Lauren Brooks for Helmets and Heels coming up tonight at 6 o'clock, and she said, uh, is this the biggest win this century for the Jaguars? I know Leon said on yesterday's show, yes, last week's win over the Titans was easily the biggest win over the Titans in at least 20-some-odd years, if not ever. But is it hyperbole to say that this Sunday's game is also going to be huge and that this past week's game – one of the most important wins this century. Yeah, I mean the I mean the Titans game was huge because they've been our nemesis for ever since I was there. We hated them, especially what they cost us a chance to go to the Super Bowl. But you got the Dallas Cowboys coming to town, the star, you know, America's team. It don't get any bigger than that at, at the bank. If we could come away with a victory in that one, and a possibility of a moving closer. In the playoff hunt, I mean, that was an interesting thing that I, I saw uh, yesterday on ESPN. They were showing the playoffs on the AFC, and I saw Jaguars 
five and eight yes. in the hunt. Yes. Yes. I wanted to take a picture of it, yeah. but of a slower foot. I, it, I should have taken a picture of it. it but, does. no, being the Cowboys is big. Yeah, yeah. It would be big. But it doesn't happen enough, what you're saying, to see it yeah. in the hunt. Yeah. And just being able to get in December, we're talking mm-hmm. about. Yep. Okay. And, and, heck, it would have been even better if they had won the last couple games. But, look, mm-hmm. the Lions are starting to prove that, uh, you know, they're emerging as well, which is great to see. But this Dallas Cowboy ticket, ooh. Like, I, was, I may have to yep. lean on the Nooners. Uh, uh, yeah. I- any suggestions, any help out there? Because I'm just telling you right now, uh, I've talked to the boys at the bank. Uh, it is red hot. We're talking standing room only tickets that are going to be made available. And they're like that, going for 330 right yeah, now on that's, Ticketmaster. That's how big this is going to be. And it's it's a combo. It's the Cowboys, after all, the flipping Cowboys, uh, and, and their pursuit of, of getting back to where they can be a, you know, a, t- a, a, a key key player in the postseason, and then obviously this team coming off that win. But by no means was that win Sunday the biggest in the 21st century nah. for this team. Not, not in the history of the, of the uh, team. In, the 20, uh, in this century. Or in this century. Is, is, is the way it's been. Nah, since 2000. No, no, yeah. no. And, and, and I'm, but I am saying the biggest win right now at home was the win over the Bills because it's the only home win in this century in mm-hmm. the bank. Okay, yeah. the Playoffs, only you're one. talking. Yeah, but yeah. It's, the, yeah, it's, the, it's, the, yeah, it's the only postseason win well, at the yeah. bank. That's, that's massive. And then you can, you can go to the yeah, next one that yeah. they had yeah. in the postseason, which was, which was also huge against Pittsburgh. But those two, they have to rule as far as biggest wins in the 21st century. For yeah, the playoff win in t- t- uh, 2017, shoot, that was a, what, since we hadn't had a, a playoff victory at, at our home since, what, 99? At home, yes. At home since yep. 99. So yeah. that was huge. That was huge. But what about the Patriots game in 2018? It's pretty big. That that the team that, that, that Thursday us, night game, that thir- the Patriots game when we beat them here, yeah, yeah, that was a Thursday night game. Yeah, no, that it, was the twenty eighteen. That was a Sunday. The, yeah. No, that was a Sunday. Yeah, Sunday yeah, at four. I'm thinking. Well, I I might even argue the the three and one. Yeah, that's the one the I'm talking three, about. That's a Thursday night game that they won. Which what year are you referring I to? I think I'm going back to eighteen. I thought no, twenty eighteen was a Sunday because Sunday? that was the yeah. first Sunday that I lived in. Did Jacksonville. I start drinking Thursday well, that week? <laughs> Is that what happened? Because no, but the, yeah, I believe it was a Sunday game. Yeah. yeah okay. Was okay. Sunday. I was right. in an I was in an airplane. Yes. Yeah. All yes. right. So I am mixing them up because for whatever reason I kind of have that filed away as a as a night game. But yeah, that one. What was so funny is that. This team was crowning themselves that entire year, and they really crowned themselves after that one. I remember your story after they beat the Patriots with Keenan McCardell. Oh, yeah, yeah jinxed yeah. us, totally jinxed us. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, me and him were smoking a cigar like we had won the Super Bowl. <laughs> and, and so I always, uh, whatever, plug that in as a night game. But anyway, that's the, that was a big win. They just mm-hmm. started losing every flipping game well, after that. So now the question is, how do you not crown yourselves after beating the Titans and heaven forbid you do beat the Cowboys. How do you not crown yourselves then? Because you still got to go up to MetLife and beat the Jets. You still got to go to Houston, which, again, that streak is now at almost 10 games in which the Texans have beaten the Jaguars. Yeah, I, mean, I, I got to be honest. And, and, look, if we just – like, you can crown somebody maybe too early when they're 3-1, and one, but dang sure don't crown somebody when they haven't even gotten back to 500. Yeah. Okay? Do not do that. I don't care how many games they win. You could say they're turning it around. You could say they're on their way back. You could say they're relevant again. But do not crown them, okay? No, but uh, I'll tell you this. They win this week. Everybody's jumping on this bandwagon then. All the national, like CBS, be Fox, a chatter. and ESPN, the NFL Network. Yeah. All those guys are going to jump on this team now. And the, the whole idea is going to be, look what Dougie Peterson and Trevor Lawrence have done. And it's going to be, you want to talk about, Joe, you want to talk about crowning them. There will be people talking like Leon. 
Next year is when this team's going to arrive. Mm-hmm. Next year is where they're going to be the, le- the, the real deal with the chance this year to somehow make it. So, again, yeah. I don't yeah. think they're winning this weekend. But if they do, woo, everything changes then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And for what it's worth, Joe, the text line uh, is on your side. Mm-hmm. They, they, they not, the Patriots game was not on a Thursday night. But what they think you're thinking of, which brings me to this Sunday's well, matchup, I was partying from that Thursday night is on. the Seahawks win in 2017, which I've seen a lot of people on Twitter talk, talking about that because that was a 4 o'clock game that went into the night. Yeah. That was also the coldest game since at the bank. And the high this Sunday, and granted it's a 1 o'clock kickoff against the Cowboys, but the high is expected to be about 56 degrees. Wow. So this will be the coldest game since that Seahawks win, which obviously a lot of folks say that is really what got that 2017 oh, yeah. season on a roll. And, and it's so funny, the, uh, the original NFG and I are talking about this, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, that that win against the Ravens kind of reminded him of the win over Seattle when you started to believe, you know, this is, this is happening, this is happening, and that was an early December game, right? That sounds right, mm-hmm. early December game, which, again, uh, I hate to admit this, but it, 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 I might have been in my cups that day uh, because I was with the <laughs> – Why would you hate to I was, admit it? Well, I was with the Modelo boys, and we were over there in the Cabana area, and that's why the <laughs> original NFG uh, texts me on that one. He goes, remember that day? That was a great day. <laughs> and it was because that whole stadium just kind of came alive in the second half of that game, and you just didn't think it possible. Okay, remember, those were kind yeah. of the mighty Seahawks back then. Yeah. And you thought, okay, they're going to come back. Uh, you know, this team's going to get humbled. No, no, they 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 made a big statement that day. Plus, there's another reason why I think that if you, if you beat the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday, uh, how I think the Jaguars, the way they beat the Titans last, I mean, this past Sunday, they understand the, the kind of energy that you have to exert on the road in order mm-hmm. to come away with a victory. And I think that going to the Texans, I mean, going in and playing the Texans and going in and playing the Jets. I just think the Jaguars won't lay an egg like they did against Detroit mm-hmm. because they understand that what, what kind of energy and effort as far as turnovers, strip fumbles, getting after the quarterback, defending, uh, passing, catching, all that kind of stuff. They understand now what kind of energy and effort that you've got to exert in those games on the road in a hostile environment to come away with a victory. That's why I'm so, I, I will be elated if they beat the Cowboys because yeah. we could make – a nice little run if we come away with that. It's also going to give us the confidence moving forward. You beat the Cowboys, you go to 6-8, and eight, and you got road games against the Texans, the Jets, and then you got the Titans at home for a possible uh, playoff bid. Oh, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, and that's really what you're banking on. That's what you're banking on. All right, mm-hmm. we need to get around the rest of the National Football League. Well, let's just stay on the Jags. Let's do the eye test right now because we come out of this last game, <clears> and, and we're talking about, hey, uh, they will be the talk of the league if they mm-hmm. knock off Dallas and all that kind of stuff. So, J.J., let's fire up some NFL music and, and, and do the eye test. It's brought to you by Dr. Robert Schnipper and the Jacksonville Eye Center, and they are offering their Champagne LASIK Special. Why is it called Champagne? Because you can ring in the new year with 2020 vision. And they have taken their LASIK and said we're offering 30% off. Now we're talking about the Allegretta Wave. We're talking about the latest technology with the premier ophthalmologist in Jacksonville. You want to make sure that you can ditch the contacts or glasses. Find out how you can get with the best. 30% off the Champagne LASIK Special. You need to call 355-5555 for the Jacksonville Eye Center and get in touch with my man, a big Jaguar man, Dr. Robert Snipper. So what changed? You do the eye test on this football team. What changed in your mind from two Sundays ago to this past Sunday? I think 
the thing that I might be falling into a trap, the eye test says the pass rush got better. Right or wrong, Leon, because of who it was, who they were going against. Am I being fooled by that a little bit? Well, listen, I, I think it was energy, effort, and execution. That's what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. The difference between that game that they played against the Lions and that game that they played against the Titans is just all-out effort and, and, and energy. I mean, they came out there. Now, I was, a little, I was a little worried early on when Derrick Henry was running the ball. Right. And then, you know, we kind of got our stuff together and we started tackling and causing fumbles and all that kind of stuff. But energy, effort, and ex- execution for me. Just the energy of the team, the way they execute offensively and defensively with the turnovers, and just effort. I, I saw guys I saw guys swarming to the ball. I saw guys, I saw guys meeting at the quarterback. I saw guys meeting at their the, the hit on their Henry. I mean, that, yeah. that you don't know what that does to a defense when you smash their Henry and cause a funnel. That just, that just gets the whole defense lifted up, ready to go. So, that's what that, that that's what I think the difference was for me personally. So, I just, oh, go ahead. I, I just I I, don't, I hear what Leon's saying. The, the problem I have is without those turnovers, and that's saying a lot because you get turnovers. Right, you're making. But, them but a couple like the the one throw from Tanya was terrible. That that Dewey picked mm-hmm. was probably a wrong route from a young receiver. Robert you know, Woods actually, got, so not so young receiver. Oh, that was Robert. Yeah, Woods. it was Robert right. Woods. So then it was a terrible throw by Tanya. Okay, mm-hmm. so. I, I think if you look at that, and, you know, they did force two fumbles, okay? Shaq's hit, forced a fumble. Um, Trayvon Walker forced a fumble. But without those short fields, I think it's the same defense. That's the concern I have going into this weekend. Like, you need turnovers, period. And we always talk about that. Turnovers change everything. If this team doesn't get turnovers, they're in a dogfight. They're in a position where their offense cannot make mistakes. Mm-hmm. They have to score every time they touch the ball. So that's a bad place to be in in the NFL if you have to score every time you touch the ball. So well, I think they, they need what you what your point of how yeah. they were they were going after the ball, they were all there and they were attacking it. I think that's great. But let's see that moving forward. I mean, we know who they are. They right. haven't changed. Defense hasn't changed you know, all season long. And, and maybe they understand that the only way they're going to be able to compete is that they got the call. Ripping that ball, yeah. Got to rip at the ball. You got to cause turnovers because if, if teams – what solid offensive lines and good wide receivers and a, and a decent quarterback, they're going to run up and down our defense if, if we don't cause turnovers like the Lions do. I mean, imagine what the Cowboys are going to do that defense. Seriously. Yeah, with a solid offensive line. Yes, a good offensive line. Two good receivers, two good running backs, three good tight ends. And a really good quarterback. Right. That's kind of my point. Like, if they don't force turnovers, they're in deep trouble on Sunday. Don't forget that they won the turnover battle in Kansas City a few weeks ago, 3-0, and they still lost the game. But could have won the game, honestly. Could have won the game. Could have won, won, won the game. For me, Joe, the X factor in my eye test, uh, we talked about it on yesterday's program, but I do think there is some merit to Trayvon Walker coming out of a three-point stance mm-hmm. after having just 14 snaps with his hand in the dirt through the previous 12 games, and now he has eight on Sunday, and suddenly Gosh, he's creating destruction, and he's getting sacks after going how many games without it? Career career high, 28, 25% win rate. For me, the thing is, is that when Trayvon Walker first got to Jacksonville, we knew, okay, the sack numbers may not be there because he doesn't have a lot of pass rush moves. And the knock the last few weeks has been he's been here now for four months and he still doesn't have any pass rush moves. But the fact of the matter is, is if he can just be the straw that stirs the drink, like he was at Georgia, the yeah. numbers weren't gaudy at Georgia, but guess what? He created opportunities for other guys. If he can just do that, 
they don't have another guy who has been doing that because Foley Fadukasi up until this week was also a bit of a disappointment the last few weeks from the interior. So if you can at least have Walker creating that interior pressure because Arden Key and Dewan Smoot have moved to outside mm-hmm. linebacker, and so they're not able to do it either except for in the stunts formation. And so I think that is critical. You need a guy that's at least going to create that pressure that then yeah. opens up opportunities for other guys. Now, now, now relatively speaking, now, the two-point stance and the three-point stance, that may work for him, that he might be a lot better in the three-point stance and two-point stance because there's a hell of a lot of uh, players in the NFL history that had success in the two-point stance. Mm-hmm. Von Miller, oh my gosh, Lawrence yeah. Taylor, Greg nice. Lloyd, yeah. Kevin Green, uh, DeMarcus Ware. I mean, but I'm just saying as far as he goes – he seems to give up a lot of his body and chest yep. when he's in the two-point because he has a tendency to stand straight up and down when he's coming off the ball. And mm-hmm. a three-point stance, he has more trajectory where he's he's coming off like a sprinter. Right. And then when he, by the time he raises up, he's already on the offensive lineman. But if you see him in a two-point stance, his chest is already up and the lineman can get on him right then and there. Right. I'm just saying that at his part, I think it would be – better fit for him to be in the three-point stance because now he can just shoot off that ball and See, stay low and get around those corners. That, that's the perfect eye test right there because he describes it just beautifully as far as what the guy was doing and was quickly handled. Okay, Trayvon was not a threat. He was quickly handled, and now mm-hmm. he's more of a threat. And I still can't get <clears throat> over 14 snaps with the hand on the ground up until Sunday, eight snaps on Sunday, hand on the ground. And he has his best game of his career. Yeah. Uh, now, look, I don't want to hammer the coaches and say, what What didn't you see? I'm you just can. glad they – I'm glad. What took so long? That's yeah, what yeah, I'm trying yeah, to figure yeah. out. And also part yeah. of it can <laughs> be that the Titans' offensive line has had its struggles. Uh, as yeah. Rick Ballou pointed out to me on the kickoff, Wingstop kickoff show, mm-hmm. uh, there was a Tennessee reporter that wrote an article this week that the left tackle for the Titans is the worst statistically there's ever been yeah. in the National Football League. So well, you, can, you can blame it on that. But at the same time, there were returns. Well, by the way, Leon well, see, I'm wins. Mad. I'm mad now. He's the worst of all time. We only get two sacks off of him. <laughs> Four sacks total. Oh, okay, Four but, sacks total but, for the Jazz. Oh, okay, all right. Because Leon did win the over-under bet that we had on Friday when he went over one and a half with sacks from yeah. his front because it hadn't happened. Uh, and finally they were able to get through uh, and get to him. All right, so that that's the main eye test. We'll look at a, a few other things. Obviously, we'll look at – Dallas Cowboys a little bit later on, but uh, that one really was different, uh, and everybody watching picked up on it. Don't forget, uh, 30% off LASIK, their champagne special. Take advantage of it. If you want to find out about how good Dr. Schnipper is when it comes to freeing you up from contacts and glasses, call 355-5555. Ask for the champagne LASIK and get on in there to see Doc. To prepare us for breaking down the Cowboys Mm -hmm. and their offensive line and what, quite frankly, could have been a massive upset at the hands of the, the Houston Texans a week ago. Do we want to take a look at what the weekend that was in the National yeah, Football Yeah, we'll do League? that coming up because I was just so happy uh, that, you know, you always think about this. You don't want to catch Dallas on the down after they've lost Correct. because they can erupt for 40-some points. We've seen it happen. I was just so happy they went down the field. And, and, and yeah, they, they kept the Texans in that number one spot, but they beat them. And now maybe they might take Jacksonville a little bit lightly. So we'll, we'll do that little uh, weekend that was looking back uh, coming up. But we are right here in Four Score Golf Tavern. The, the uh, immediate when you walk in, you see a hitting bay to your left. You see a bar to your right. Is there anything wrong with that? I was going to say, there this is, is heaven. Nothing wrong this, with is, that. this is literally your heaven right here, yes. Josie. There is nothing I know wrong it, with that. I know it's a little far from 
Uh, but yeah. if it, I mean, maybe they could create another location down there well, too. The cool thing about there's just all this charm around San Marco. I, I love it. I was telling TLD when we went to the uh, Perfect Rack uh, in Murray Hill with the Christmas party. Also a great place. It's a great place. And so if you if you take Riverside and San Marco and all these places that are just all just we're talking beautiful neighborhoods, a lot of history and a lot of cool things to do. And you you put this is boots on the ground territory. Okay, you make your way here. You throw it in park. You get out and you walk. Four Square Golf Tavern, fourteen oh seven Atlantic Boulevard. They got their membership drive going on, including that wide open fun night tonight, beginning at five p.m. Yep. So there's going to be a Scotty Cameron putter valued at four hundred dollars up for a raffle. You also can enter to win a complimentary Four Score event package deal as well. There'll be complimentary beer, wine, snacks. Again, that's five to eight p.m. tonight here at Four Score Golf Tavern. We will be here till three o'clock, so you can obviously swing on by if you're in the area for lunch and say hello to us. There also will be leagues yes you heard that right golf simulator leagues starting january 9th you can log on to their website at www.fourscoregolf.com to find out more about those leagues and even if you don't want to sign up for a league you can sign up for a holiday gathering a birthday celebration reserve your bay and reserve your spot today four score golf tavern we saved you a seat it's Lunch with Leon on 1010XL. Brought to you by Wingstop. We just went back to the simulator here at Four Score Golf Tavern uh, and, and hit on to the Island Green at TPC Sawgrass. And then just to the left of us, uh, they were slinging some Louisville Sluggers uh, at the simulator. You've got all the different sports that you can play, not just golf, but that's primarily what they would love for you to find out about. Four Score Golf Tavern. Now, here's the beautiful thing. I was telling my, my bro down in Fort Lauderdale earlier when I was talking to him on the phone. Four, like you yell four uh, on a golf course. So it's F-O-R-E, four score golf tavern with a little kind of throwback in time feel to it uh, with some of the stuff that they've decorated the place. But more than anything else, it's just it's awesome. You walk in, you got uh, hitting bays, simulators, you got the bar, you got the full menu. Uh, they're bringing lunch. I mean, look at that. We're talking flatbreads. Oh, we yeah. got flatbreads, nachos. What got else do we have? Sliders. I wanted to sample all the yeah. sliders. I don't yeah. know if I'm going to be able to eat all that, so we're going to be sharing. Big Sir's got a pretzel working. A uh, big pretzel, yeah. You got a little mustard on that? Uh, yeah, a yeah. Little, yeah, a little bit. A little honey mustard? Yeah. All right. It's all on the menu, but you can definitely drop on by and uh, say hello either while we're here or with their membership drive tonight, 5 to 8. Uh, they're going to set you up with some snackage. Some cold beers, wine, complimentary, because they want you to find out about Four Score Golf Tavern right here in San Marco, 1407 Atlantic Boulevard. Now, we've been talking Jags. We've been talking about are they, aren't they, uh, could they, all that stuff. Uh, and maybe one of the most important games they played in this century this past Sunday against the Titans. But there was some other action that took off. So, J.J., how about we re- rewind the weekend uh, thanks to Cycles of Jacksonville and look back at some of those other big games. Don't forget, if you had a lousy weekend, you can head to Cycles of Jacksonville on Atlantic near Regency. Uh, they are the big boy store for big boy toys, especially around Christmas time. And make sure you don't have another stinky weekend. Let's hit the highlights. The Bills hang on in the snow. Allen, he's got heat on this one. He's got Knox. Oh, look at that somersault for a touchdown. That might be better than Josh Allen. Oh, it is. That was incredible. Joe Cool finally beats Cleveland. This is Mixon. No, the fake to Mixon. The throw, and here is all alone for the touchdown, Trenton Irwin. 
same old Mitch. Blocked by Gentry, going deep, and intercepted, picked off, and Trubisky has thrown his third interception. The Eagles are football pornography. On fourth and seven, Hurts lofts it for Smith. It's a touchdown, Devontae Smith. The Lions stay hot. Goff going deep, wide open, touchdown on his first NFL reception. The rookie out of Alabama, Jamison Williams. Purdy is the new Brady. Purdy loaded up, going deep. He's got a man. Ayuk in. Touchdown, 49ers. Are you kidding? That's pretty good. Uh, I love that line. Uh, JJ put it together uh, with the Cyber Misters, and uh, they have all the highlights, in, including Brock Purdy, who is in a position now as uh, he went from Mr. Irrelevant uh, now to beating the GOAT. Uh, think about that. I mean, that's just uh, pretty good stuff, and he's not the only one that came out of the weekend as one of the big stories. Uh, but good on him and good on Kyle Shanahan. He seems to just keep doing it. Uh, you add up the number of quarterbacks that he's been through. It started with Trey Lance. He is such a distant memory. Uh, and then they went to their fourth quarterback, who also is about as old as Tom Brady, isn't he? Josh Johnson's been around, like, for 70 years, it seems like. And, and they – how about playing Tom Brady in the regular season, Leon? <clears throat> And being able to go to your backup, which just happens to be the fourth guy in your roster because you're beating Tommy so bad. How about that? It's pretty special. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty special. And, and listen, I can only imagine that kid when he goes up. You know how the quarterback, the coaches come together and, and the quarterbacks come together. And, you know, he, he's beating freaking Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of the same situation was like that for me when I was with the Steelers. When Reggie White said, hey, you had a good game, kid. Man, it threw me aback. I'm, I'm, I'm young in the game, and, oh, he, yeah. and Reggie White said you had a good game. You You're know, talking that, dirty that, that, to me, and I kind of yeah. like yeah. it. That carried yeah. weight yeah. for me. Exactly. I was like, okay, I deserve to be here. Reggie said so, then I'm, I'm supposed to be here. Did That's you awesome. see the video yet, Leon, of not just Brock Purdy saying hello to Tom Brady, but they actually had a bunch of the 49ers. So uh-huh. it's on the NFL's official social media accounts. Yeah. We're talking even George Kittle, who's been in the league for five years now. Mm, right. And they all are looking for Tom. And so they film them, and in the caption, they're Where's Tom? Where? And then they all find him, and they each individually say, you've been my inspiration. Yeah. It's so nice to finally meet you. Like, thank you so much. Isn't like, that crazy? And it's crazy. reverence? Well, it's wild because Brady just got his butt whipped by them, and then they're the but ones they who are, like, to, bowing yeah, at the altar yeah, to him. Exactly. They still want to touch, you know, uh, football Jesus, you know, because, I mean, the guy's mm-hmm. done so much. And, and he was know, very, I will say. And they say, know it's the end, too. Right. They know it's the end. He was, I do want to admit, because I know there's plenty of Brady haters out there. Uh, he was very um, kind to them. He was very receptive to them. He wasn't going to big time them. Is this the farewell tour? This is the farewell tour. It's become tour. that almost. Honestly. Yeah, it is. It is. Say goodbyes now, huh? You know as well as I do, whenever it's over, it lets you well, know listen, in a listen. hurry. Father Time is undefeated. Yeah, yeah. He's undefeated, even for Tom Brady. And so I'm thinking Tom probably thought next year he mm-hmm. would receive gifts from everybody with every away game, but next year may not come. Well, yeah. but that's the question, though, is now that Giselle's out of the picture, the kids, I believe, are Yoko's living in Miami. Gone. You would assume, you would assume he's not going to go to the Dolphins after everything with Stephen Ross. Where is Brady playing Niners. this time next year? Got to be the Niners, right? He he's in the XFL. A, he grew up being a Niners fan. Mm-hmm. He was everything Niners was growing up. Yeah, so, but I, and there was allegedly he wanted to go there initially. Well, you so, know what? so here's they, what happens when you want something to happen and you're good, it can. When you're no longer, it won't. And, and so they have invested in Trey Lance, and they've now had to recommit to Jimmy Garoppolo again. It's I just can't see that happening. 
So let me get this straight. The Niners traded three first-round picks to get Trey yeah, Lance, yeah, who played a grand total of two or three games before unfortunately Just getting hurt Tommy. to no fault of his own. Yeah. But now they're going to scrap that. They're yeah. going to scrap the Brock Purdy uh, storyline. They're going to scrap the it? Jimmy G storyline because Tom Brady. No. He is well, the, he I is mean, the goat. He I is mean, the goat. what do you want to do? Do you want to win it all? Yeah, well, he's already done that. He's done it seven times. No, I'm, no, no. I mean the Niners. Yeah. Well, what yeah. happens if Brock Purdy leads him to a Super Bowl this year? He's the next Tom Brady, seventh round. I'm gonna. What did Leon say you were gonna do? A cartwheel? If what was your cartwheel? Oh, if Bo Nix won the Heisman. Bo Nix won the Heisman. Yes, Bo Nix. You're gonna do a cartwheel if if, uh, Brock Purdy leads the 49ers to Super Bowl. No, because it could happen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and they and they are good enough. Uh, Honestly, they have Christian McCaffrey. They have well, Debo's hurt now. That was a terrible injury for him. High ankle sprain. We'll find out how how bad it is. But they've got so many other good pieces, including that that awesome defense. So I mean, they're savages on that side of the ball. So yeah, that one's built to uh, to win if they could plug and play uh, a quarterback. And who knows whether Purdy could be that guy. So let's dive in a little bit to the Cowboys, but specifically the Cowboys this past weekend against yes the Houston Texans because. The Cowboys, if not for some mismanagement on the part of the Houston Texans, they should be 9-4 and four right now with a loss to the team that will be picking first in the NFL draft this April. Mm-hmm. Because if not for the Texans just completely botching it on the one-yard line and going for it on fourth and one, I mean, yes, if they kick the field goal, it's, I mean, the, the Cowboys still have to go all the way downfield and score a touchdown to win the game. Right. But now if you kick the field goal, it's 26-20. Now you have to kick it back to them. Obviously, they have a great return, man. Mm -hmm. So there's a potential that maybe they return it. But instead, you go for it on fourth and one. You don't get it. So they have to start the one-yard line, which is difficult. But you let them go 99 yards. And so if not for the fact that it was the Texans, the Texans, I mean, what is this Cowboys team coming into Jacksonville with? Like, you could do a cut-up of some really, really good DAC plays that he's made so far this season. Remember, he had to come back from – couple different injuries. But anyway, he was able to come back uh, from, from the thumb injury. Anyway, he has made some really, really good plays. You could put a little sizzle tape together for him in a hurry. You could also yeah. put together a crumble tape, okay, where he has made some really poor decisions. And so back to the question we had about this defense. Can that defense actually create pressure and force him to make some bad decisions? Because if that's the case, then you might be able to get Dak to make a dumb decision here or there that, that could ultimately cost. Yeah, and, and everybody thought that, you know, when Dak came back off after the injury, you know, that the Cowboys were, were going to be this, this elite team. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, think, I think the Cowboys are still kind of underachievers in my, in my, in my assessment because I saw that game they, where well, they blew out the Vikings. Mm-hmm. The Vikings. But the Vikings are the fakest 10-3 and three team that I've ever seen. They've heard that to me again. They, they are full, How many so times flawed. do I have to pick the They're Vikings fake. before I, I know. figure it out? Yeah, they, they are frauds. That's, and, and, that's and, Tom Champion's team. Easy. I'm sorry, Tom. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, You're but, the one but on this, the text line giving me grief, Tom, when I said they were frauds? <laughs> okay. right. But the Cowboys tried everything they could to possibly give that game away, and the Texans found a way to lose it anyway. Yeah. Listen, they deserve to lose that game. Listen, it's fourth down and two, and you run a speed option. On the play to try to a quarterback speed option at that yeah. Yeah. to try to to try to win the game, but the okay. Cowboys still went ninety nine yards against that defense that had given them trouble throughout the whole game, and all of a sudden they they gave way and let them let them let them score. But I, 
I just can't figure out this Cowboys team. It's something they're an enigma. Dude. They are. They are. They 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 they'll look spectacular one day, and you're like, wow, that, that's a legit team. With a, and then the next time you see them, you're like, really? Mm-hmm. The Texans took you to the bat the, the whole game, and that's why and I'm kind of hoping that that little odd I, even. I, exactly. I'm yeah. hoping that team that they play the Texans comes in this Sunday, and we've got a shot. For what it's worth, uh, Dak Prescott threw not one but two interceptions to that Texans defense, mm-hmm. which obviously there are some talented young rookies, especially in the secondary with Jalen Petrie out of Baylor. That kid has been dynamite all season. They only got to him once. He was only sacked once. But on the other side of the ball, the Cowboys defense didn't sack the likes of Davis Mills or former Florida Gator Jeff, Jeff Driscoll once. They didn't mm-hmm. get to him once. So w- there's questions on the defensive side of the ball for this Cowboys team, too, which, I mean, their headliner is Trayvon Diggs, who is known throughout and the Micah. league as Mr. Boomer yeah. Bus, and Micah Parsons yeah, as well. He was the headliner. Honestly, he was getting to the quarterback over and over and over. Uh, but, yeah, that's actually a good sign if this team – uh, this offensive line protected fairly well uh, for Trevor this past week, even though, again, they were missing pieces on that defensive front for the Tennessee Titans. They did an okay job, and maybe the fact that Micah hasn't necessarily come up as big of late that that might bode well for them. The power rankings right now, okay, we can look at a couple different ones, but let's just throw ESPNs at you uh, with their nation of reporters. They have the Dallas Cowboys right now fourth in their power rankings, okay? Fourth in their power rankings. The only teams that are above them uh, are the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs, and they have the Philadelphia Eagles number one, okay? Uh, After, behind the Dallas Cowboys in the uh, latest ESPN power rankings of the 49ers, who would you pick, 49ers or Dallas? Right now? 49ers, even with Brock Purdy. Yeah, it's funny. I probably would as well. They have the Vikings. I don't know about that. Yeah. The, the paper bikes, that. so you might you might go. I might Cowboys. Take the Cowboys. Okay, yeah. all right. Well, uh, I mean, because the Brock Purdy runs got to end soon. Come on. Well, true, true, and they'll he's get tape not, on him. He's but, not. Yeah, he's not just going to start rolling. But, but it's just like, but it's like we're talking about. Dak's been around a minute, and he threw two picks to a, right. a, a lousy right. Texas team. Anyway, right. Cincinnati Bengals might be as hot as anybody right now, and they're seventh in the power rankings. Dolphins are after them after they've suffered a couple of West Coast losses. Uh, then you got the Ravens, who scratched out a win somehow, some way, even though they lost their second-string quarterback. Um, anyway, you, you look a little further down, and the Jags come in you know, near the – bottom third of the National Football League. So if they were to pull something off this past or, or this coming Sunday, how huge would it be? The Jaguars, at least with ESPN, are still behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who would you pick in that game? Depends mm. which Jaguars team shows up. If it's well, the one true. that showed up on Sunday, yeah. I'd pick them over Tampa Bay every day, twice yeah. on Sunday. I mean, honestly, if you, if you could get that type of game then, then, and a little bit of pressure on Tommy, uh, that would be huge. But that's, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a bottom third team, at least right now in the minds of many, mm-hmm. against the top five team in the Dallas Cowboys. And, and can you catch them when they're not firing on all cylinders? This is Coach Campo's Super Bowl week, which I shouldn't even say because Coach Campo has won a Super Bowl before and has played in the Super I'm Bowl. Surprised he didn't wheel in his ring with his rock star Super Bowl I'm ring. I'm very excited for Coach score. Campo on XL Primetime this week, both today and Thursday. You know what he's got coming up for us? What? He's going to hook up Darren Woodson. On XL Primetime. What? Uh, in uh, Thursday's show. Nice. Uh, and so he's going to lead the interview and make sure that, uh, that we get uh, one of his best players, honestly, uh, one of his best players uh, that, uh, you know, to at least give us some perspective on the Dallas Cowboys. All right. So we'll uh, do that coming up in just a little bit. Darren Woodson is scheduled to be with us on Thursday, which will be cool. Uh, but we got one more seg with Sirs. Uh, and so we'll talk. We, we took him back to the simulator. We just did a chip shot with you. We might have to. Might have to get you to go hit the island green here in a second. Okay? Mm-hmm. You warmed up. I didn't go in the water. 
No, you did not. Okay. So the rough. The rough. I was in the rough. You. I was in the rough. <laughs> yes, I did. Okay. All right. So we're gonna go get uh, Big Sirs to hit one on the Island Green coming up here in just a second. Four Score Golf Tavern right here in the heart of San Marco, fourteen oh seven Atlantic Boulevard, with a big membership drive taking place later tonight from five until eight. Uh, they have got all kinds of cool things going on: complimentary beer and wine, snacks, and they want to make sure they show you just how cool it is. Not just the golf, but all the other sports you can play on the simulators, and obviously the menu and the bar atmosphere. It's a cool setting here at the Four Score Golf Tavern. We saved you a seat. It's Lunch with Leon on 1010XL. Brought to you by Wingstop. I just dove into some of these sliders here at Four Score Golf Tavern, and boys, some of the best sliders I've had all year. That not, not just your traditional cheeseburger sliders. They've got a jalapeno sausage cheddar. Sausage guy uh, noise effect, mm-hmm. JJ. I'm um, a sausage guy. Thank you, JJ. I love how you describe that. Noises, I think, is kind of accurate. Yes. Um, and then uh, they got the meatball. <laughs> They've got some buffalo chicken dip out for us. I did ask for Brussels sprouts. Hopefully that's arriving soon because I think I am going to need some vegetables to counteract uh, all the other delicious goodness here at Four Score Golf Tavern. Again, we are in San Marco today. This spot opened up over the summer, fully operational now for holiday gatherings birthday parties it's a golf simulator bar could i ask could yeah. you ask for anything else folks um you can reserve yourself a bay you can do walk-ups to do a bay um and so it's a good little spot i just got a text about apparently the quesadillas are also very good <laughs> uh here at four score golf tavern so there's something for everyone make sure you swing on by again on atlantic boulevard downtown san marco great location and, of course, there's also a full lineup of beers and wines. And you can experience some of those tonight at their membership drive, 5 to 8 p.m. right here at Four Score Golf Tavern. Also be entered to win a Scotty Cameron putter and a complimentary Four Score event package. So we've been talking NFL, talking Jaguars, getting ready for the Cowboys. It is going to be a hot ticket. I have heard uh, from countless people uh, that it is going to be, you know, one of those where everyone is just kind of kind of leaning forward in their seat. Uh, Dallas will come with fans you know that and then Jacksonville hey maybe we can pick off that team and make a statement of our own in December uh what what have we determined we're about well right right past the three-quarter pole Leon when it comes to the National Football League season uh you know this football team has just now gotten to five wins I'm I'm praying that that Vegas ticket will cash (laughs) if they get north of six which would be great but what have we learned from the beginning of the season until now? What is different? You know, one thing is pretty obvious. Philadelphia looks like that, that offense will travel. Okay, they, mm-hmm. they beat up on the other teams in the NFC East like they, like they haven't done in a while. And the NFC East was always a slugfest. It was either a surprise winner or a surprise loser. But Philadelphia has basically held serve against everybody. Washington Commanders are still in the playoff race. They have a bye week. They come out of this past bye week, and they get back into their division. They've got a chance. Brian Dable and the Giants have cooled off a little bit. Let's at least start with the NFCs. What has popped for you? What, what have we learned now that we're in December? Well, the Eagles are legit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and Jalen Hurts is a bona fide MVP candidate. I, I, I feel, I feel uh, that he's the favorite know, right off now. Last, uh, yeah, he's bona fide. Coming yeah, off last favorite. year where we we weren't sure if he could actually be a pr- prolific thrower. We, we were concerned about his, his his ability to throw the football mm-hmm. last year. And then 
the the 180 turn to this year yeah. to where he's just lighting people up. I mean, the Eagles aren't just beating people. They are lighting them up. I mean, run game, pass game, him with his arm, the defense is solid. The secondary is probably one of the best in the, in the NFL. I mean, they're a legit number one seed. Uh, they're a legit team. Why am I not feeling it? You're not? You're not? I don't You're know why. I'm just not feeling it. I feel like there's going to be a defense that's going to figure that out and, uh, and force him to stay in the pocket. Look, a lot of the stuff they do and a lot of the big explosion plays they get mm-hmm. is because he's so dangerous off schedule. Right. So mm-hmm. that's why, it. why do I feel like there's going to be a defense that figures it out and stops him early in the playoffs? I, I don't know. I'm just not seeing it. I'm not seeing enough balance on that offense yet because defense their, run game, their run game is literally him running off schedule. True, true. So I, I don't. No, 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 no. Hang on. Take a look at Miles Sanders sure. and what he did this past you're right, week. You're right. That's, yeah. You're right. That's yeah. a good point. Miles yeah. Sanders is a, is a good player, yeah. but their key runs, I guess, is the best way to say it. All right. So here's their the thing. Their difference that, making runs are, are him typically right. off schedule. Here's the things that. Two things are getting me, you know, besides Jalen Hurts and what he's done. We, we have to absolutely. Do you want, see what I'm saying by that or no? Well, I, I feel like. I, I always feel like someone's going to figure somebody else out, right? right. I, I'm with right. you there. Uh, it's like Trevor. Uh, someone's going to try and take things away from him and see what he can and can't do. And will. What, yeah, they yeah. will. They always will. And, and so, yes, I expect that to happen to Jalen Hurts, but Jalen Hurts off schedule is as good as it gets. I mean, he makes everything – he makes you stress so much. Coach Campbell will probably say this uh, in the 2 o'clock hour when he jumps on, is that that's the worst guy to figure out how to defend. Now, here's what's happened. Philadelphia, I'm pretty sure I have this right, is leading the league in sacks. Mm. So defensively, they are getting after people. Why? Because they're playing with the lead. Okay? Look at what happened this past week with Jacksonville when they played with the lead, how much different it is. Anyway, Philadelphia mm-hmm. is playing with the lead. They're leading the league in sacks. We, are, we still have four games, right, four games to go, and they right now have already set a regular season rushing touchdown record for, for themselves already with 27 rushing touchdowns think about that uh, yeah and so yeah. they are doing their their fourth and completion rate uh they they just do everything so well their defense is tops against the pass and takeaways not to mention the fact that they sack the quarterback it, it, it's a good complete football well, part team. of why they sack the quarterback is because not only are they playing with a league a lead excuse me but mm-hmm. because they hold the ball for so long. Mm-hmm. That loss to the yeah. Washington Commanders, what did we see Ron Rivera and company do? They held the ball. Time mm-hmm. of possession. They went on long drives. I'm going to pull up exactly how long some of those drives were here now. Outside of the fumble, let's see, the touchdown drives for Washington. 13 plays, 7 minutes and 21 seconds. Mm-hmm. Field goal, 12 plays, 6 minutes and 30 seconds. Touchdown, 16 plays, 7 minutes, 4 seconds. You're seeing long drives that keeps the ball away from Jalen Hurts. That's why Washington was able to go toe-to-toe with them. That was probably the only reason, because that's not a talented roster outside of maybe the deep front seven right, and the, wide, and and the, the wide receivers. That's the key. Is When you get to the playoffs, that's where you start seeing defensive lines that can disrupt. You asked me who could, who could stop them. Niners. Yes, the Niners. Anyone that can be disruptive on the front four or even the front seven that can push that interior back and force him off, off his comfort spot right. can beat them. Because here's the thing, is the Eagles, because then we go, we'll go to that same box score, here are some of their drives against the Washington Commanders. And again, Philadelphia's only loss of the year. Their touch, first touchdown, three plays, 18 yards, 51 seconds. Next one, nine plays, 78 yards, three minutes and 30 seconds. 
the next scoring drive for them. That one was 12 plays, 80 yards, 5 minutes and 19 seconds. But they, much like the Kansas City Chiefs, can not only get up and down the field quickly, but they choose to do that. They choose to go up-tempo. They choose to play fast. And so the only way to stop them is to milk the clock, which I remember when the San Francisco 49ers came to play this team last year and that first opening drive took up almost the entire first quarter. Mm -hmm. If there's anybody that can muck it up, and still make it look pretty, it's Kyle Shanahan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can do it. And, and look, Nick Sirianni probably needs to be given a little bit of credit uh, as being a little-known hire a year ago uh, to take over for the Philadelphia Eagles. A little-known hire. But, but think about mm-hmm. this. This team was up 14 nothing on them. Mm-hmm. And that's, you go down 14 nothing in the NFL, you got problems. Yeah. You got serious you problems. Think, yeah. Almost 21 nothing. Yeah. But they couldn't do that. This front four here couldn't be disruptive on that team. That's why eventually they figured it out, and right. boom, there they yeah, were. Yeah, exactly. And what's so crazy is there have been a bunch of teams that have come from double-digit deficits. That one was early enough where they, could, they, right. they easily came back from it. But uh, you're, you're right that once you have the lead, you would think the pass rush would pay off a little bit, and it certainly didn't in that game. They just have a comfort level. They really do. They have yeah. a belief in Jalen Hurts. Uh, and you're talking about a guy that I second-guessed. I'll easily admit that. I second-guessed him, and, and he has come – a long way. Uh, a couple of other ones, real quick, before Big Surge gets out of here. Or actually, just one more. We'll just do one more. Josh Allen was asked in the postgame presser after the Bills win over the New York Jets, which that was a laboring win. Is it was this- snowing. Not that they're not used to that in yeah, Buffalo, yeah. but the weather was a bit frightful. Yeah, but they were a 10-point favorite. Ended up being a low-scoring game. They barely went over 20 in, in, in total points. What was it? Uh, 20 to 12. Yeah, 20, 20 to 12. 12. Uh, he was asked, is this offense struggling to where it's going to be a problem to be able to, to do what they expect in the postseason? And he said no, and the room went ghostly quiet because people are looking around like, you know, Josh Allen's pretty dang, dang dynamic, but now there are people up there that are questioning whether he can get the job done. And this is now two games against Robert Sala in that defense that he struggled. Well, I mean, he's the running game. Yeah. Everybody knows when you get in the playoffs, you've got to be able to run the ball effectively. And Josh Allen is essentially 80 to 90% of the run game. Yeah, he is. And, and, and listen, I, he's courageous when he makes some of those runs that he makes. It, he's flipping in the air yeah. and all that kind of stuff like that. But I don't know how much weight that's going to be able to carry in the playoffs if you get a team that can run the ball effectively, burn clock, churn clock. Listen, him and, and, and Diggs are two of the most prolific mm-hmm. quarterback wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, they're going to still be dangerous, don't get me wrong, but uh, in order for them to go deep, I think they, they've got to be able to establish some kind of run game. Yeah. Uh, this would be and, the second, and there's, and and there's got to be someone yeah. other than Diggs. Yeah, this the would be the second yeah. year in a row. The rest of that unit yeah. is struggling a little bit, yeah. which is probably why Beasley came out of retirement. Yeah. 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 So it's, I, I mean, it, I, it would be a second I, year I, in a row. I wouldn't put it on him, I'll tell you yeah. that. That's what I would say. If they the can't run thing. the ball, they're going to be well, in trouble. Well, there's two teams that can beat them right here off the bat, if I think about it, Cincinnati and, and KC. They'll beat them. I, I just think – it doesn't matter the location. It could be Buffalo or they have to, those two teams right now are, in my opinion, the front runners for the AFC. Here's the other thing, too, to Matt's point earlier about the Eagles having a great front four, mm-hmm. having a great front seven, and Washington having a great front four. What, is, what, what does the New York Jets, for, for all their shortcomings yeah, at the they, quarterback position, what do they, they have? Yeah. Their yeah. defensive really front D-line. is as ferocious as it comes. Yeah. Not to mention on the other side of the ball, the Bills were without Von Miller. Yeah. That's a huge piece mm-hmm. as much as, yes, he was an addition to a core that had already been built. You take him out of the equation. And what's his name? Greg Rousseau is rising up. Mm-hmm. He's playing his tail off. That's a former Kane. There's a Kane. Yeah, that's, that's playing listen, his tail off. But you're, they you're, ain't the, they're not as dynamic without You're Von not Miller. signing Cole Beasley in Week 15 unless something's really wrong with your pass. 
game. Oh yeah, they're, they're probably a little concerned because who was their Other dude? Than Diggs. Yeah, who was their dude last year? That was that short. Uh, was it Emmanuel Sanders? Gabe, Is that who it was? No, uh, Isaiah McKenzie, Gabe Davis. Yeah, I'm talking about the guy that stepped away. Was it Sanders last year? Who was who was up there? Was, anyway, he was up there. Beasley was up there as well too, but just a short possession type of guy. Anyway, they're probably panicking just a little bit that they can keep moving the chains with a possession guy like that that they're bringing back. But it's still, it's Casey's world, and they're living in it. But let's not forget, Buffalo went into Kansas City and beat them. Mm-hmm. They did. But Kansas City looks like they're a different club right now, too, uh, in December than they were maybe in October. When did that game happen? Late uh, September? Week five. Early, yeah, yeah, like yeah. week four, week five. Uh, early October. All right, Big Sirs, you were out the door. Yep. Enjoy the rest of the afternoon. By the way, you had a little bit of an incident this yeah, morning. Yeah, I did. I mean, I was on, I was <laughs> on 95 here uh, to work, and uh, my, I didn't notice my tire was a little low. Y- young lady and uh, – a blue suburban said, "Hey, your your back tire's a little low." I just said, happened to be near Emerson, and I pulled off Emerson because I knew a tire shop, and then my tire blew. Oh so, wow! So I, I was lucky that I was I wasn't on ninety five when it blew on the way here. Good Samaritan yeah. looking see, out you know, too. That's, that's yeah. the dedication that I have. Yes, you do to this show. Yes, you do. Blown tire and yeah. all. Cheers to our man, Big Sir. Enjoy the rest of the afternoon. Man. All right, you hey got JJ, it. <laughs> before we hit the break, can you give me a that? Yeah, that just. Happened. Brought to you by Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So this is courtesy of Kyle Odegaard of Bet, one of the betting websites, Compare Bet, it appears. He says that, according to a source, the MRI this morning conducted on Kyler Murray confirmed that he does indeed have a torn ACL. That's terrible. Terrible. We'll wait to see once NFL Network, ESPN, and some of those others confirm it as well. So, um, obviously, that's a situation to monitor. We will see what that means for the Cardinals going forward because, as of this writing, obviously way, way out of the playoff picture. But what happens? Do they fire Cliff Kingsbury? Do they look to move Kyler Murray? What is next for that team out in the desert that we saw last night against Mac Jones, who we barely even dove into uh, what I referred to as dumb and dumber on the sidelines Mm -hmm. last night, Um, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. Did anybody anybody else see that image of the two of them together, like comparing notes? It was amazing. We'll dive into that in a whole lot more coming up next on XL Primetime. is XL Primetime, brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL. How about JJ going back to the old uh, archives, just going just straight Alabama. One of the more popular songs that you will hear up and down uh, Broadway or, for that matter, in, in the old jukebox. Uh, wherever you're honky tonking, uh, that's for sure. That is a good one. Linda's, all right, we Linda are hanging out. His favorite band of all time. Oh, yep. I love yep. that. Yeah, love that's good. That. And, and it's funny because I would not have paired him up with them given his other musical taste. You know, I'm all um, over the place. Yeah, which is good. I, I guess that that is what he is, right? Or I, I'm just going to keep saying is as opposed to was. Right. Yeah, right. I think that's okay. Uh, anyway, JJ. Uh, making sure that he's doing a little research and spinning the hits. And as we were talking earlier, uh, you know, sad news with Mike Leach's news of him passing at just 61 years of age. And Leon asked a great question earlier, uh, how will he be remembered? Uh, will he be given credit that that he's very much due in terms of being one of the architects and, and a guy that, you know, we always say spread and air raid and we just kind of throw it around. <laughs> we see the evolution of it in the National Football League 
that we honestly you can go back 10 years ago did we have anything like this maybe 10 or 12 years ago we'll ask coach coming up in just a little bit but we didn't have the elements of air raid and spread the way we have it right now and it came through the college game due to minds eyes play play sheets and playbooks like due to mummy and leech i mean honestly due to mummy and leech yeah mummy and leech brought it to the sec and Late the late nineties, mm-hmm. and you know the, it was the classic. It was the classic spur line of, "How's going to have to do more onside kicks with that offense?" Remember yeah. that when they, oh they, yeah he beat him like you know it was like sixty two to twenty something, mm-hmm. but you know Mummy was onside kicking that after after and scores. he would punt right. or he would not punt he would go for it on every fourth down. So I mean it, it's and it, it kind of got a you know the first few years it kind of got a bad rap as you know as being something that was just a, a fluke or a gimmick and believe me it is not a gimmick. I, I can remember. I can remember sitting in his office in Pullman, and we were talking about it. This was the Chiefs. We were talking about the Chiefs and Andy Reid, how, yeah. you know, suddenly Andy Reid, you know, guys like Chris Collinsworth were saying, mm-hmm. oh, that Andy Reid, look at that play. You know, and, and Leach was like, we've been doing that for 10 years here. And it's just, <laughs> you know, it's just you, you, you see that it's finally filtered its way to the NFL. There's a lot of principles of the air raid that are on a lot of, a lot of teams, including this franchise here. They yeah. have principles of the air raid as well. Well, yeah, because Peterson comes under Andy Reid and definitely has it. But I think the other thing is that the, the, the thing that's impressed me the most is that the way the NFL was able to take what would work, kind of translate it, and then take quarterbacks that were stars on the college field that they weren't quite sure going to be pocket passers, and they just made they truly built their offense around them. And the other thing is, is linemen downfield. I know Cam Robinson is more infamous for being downfield on that one play, you know, not that long ago, but the idea that these Lyman were not going to be able to get downfield and block in the NFL the way they can in college. I thought it would stunt it a little bit. It hadn't slowed it down at all. So, obviously, we, we touched on Mike Leach's time at Iowa Wesleyan, which was really only three seasons, which is crazy to think because that is really where the air raid was born in 19, between 1989 and 1991. But then he actually went to nearby Valdosta State. And one of my favorite stories, uh, Sean Pender, who previously mm-hmm. was the coach at Brunswick High School, Southeast Georgia, right up the road from us, he was a player at Valdosta State, wide receiver for them. And I went to lunch with actually him and Stetson Bennett's father a few we- a few years ago now mm-hmm. when Stetson was first the starting quarterback at Georgia. And of all the stories I thought that I would come away from that day spent with the Bennett family and the extension of their family with, the last one that I thought was coming was that Pender was the original Wes Welker slot receiver in the air raid offense mm-hmm. at Valdosta State in the early 1990s, mm-hmm. which is so wild to think – that from 1992, 1993, 94, to then we fast forward 10 years to when mm-hmm. Wes Welker was arriving in New England and these slot receivers between Julian Edelman and Welker and Amendola and all these other guys up in New England, who, of course, for me, like primitive years of, you know, formative years, excuse me, of mm-hmm. my life, those were the wide receivers and that was the team, the Bill Belichick Patriots that dominated football. And they dominated football taking something from Valdosta State, which then was taken to Kentucky and then taken to Oklahoma. Yeah. So, and then to Texas Tech, Washington State, Mississippi State. Well, it's, they're, they're, it's just crazy. It is crazy to think that it started in little Valdosta State and Iowa Wesleyan, and now have, here it is. I mean, you, do, you really do have to have those, those guys that take chances, are willing to do things unconventionally, and, and basically set out to basically chart their own course, which I love. Instead of saying, you know what, our playbook needs to look, look like their playbook. And he was never, ever willing to do that. And that's the part you've got to appreciate more than anything else. And, and the way he's done it, he definitely has – he's taken – one level of football to to another level, and he's also 
promoted that type of offense to a, to a playbook that works in the National Football League in a lot of ways. So I see one on the text line. And, Matt, I kind of want your assessment of this, um, who says that we are crazy – because we're crazy for some other reasons, seven four two zero. I don't know if this is one of them. Um, he says Steve Spurrier was the first coach who ever started the air raid. Whatever you want to call it, he was the first one in the eighties. It's not even close. Mm-hmm. It's not the same thing. They're, they're not, they just it's fun and gun thing. versus air raid. It's Spurrier threw the ball vertically. Mm-hmm. The air raid initially, initially what they did was it's all confined. It's all quick throws. Right. They may get the uh, the credit and the blame for well, the bubble screen. It was also right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was also what they did was tempo. Spurrier never went tempo, so it's you no. Know, that's not, not. They're not even close to being the same. Yeah. Thing. Again, vertical, fun and gun down the field. You could say the greatest show on turf was a lot of what Spurrier might have. Plus, been doing initially because it was down the field, big play type of initially stuff. Initially, the air raid, and again, it has now morphed into many different types. of of air raids, and now the, the typical one that people use is more of a Art Briles slash Baylor offense, where it's downhill running is included into the mm-hmm. into the passing game, into the short crossing routes passing game. Um, initially, it was throwing; mm-hmm. they just didn't run the ball, which is what Leach stuck to forever. He rarely, you know, he st- he was not a guy that ran the ball. So in that sense, it's not even close because Spurrier ran the ball. Right. Oh yeah. He ran the ball with Red. He ran the ball with Fred Taylor. He ran the ball. Well, he was very smart, and I'm going to set up by throwing to run. Right. Yeah, and he, and he really he did a masterful job of it, that's for sure. All right, so we head into the 2 o'clock hour. We'll ask Coach Campbell about that evolution because, you know, he's a guy who says, how are they doing that? How am I going to stop that? You've got to figure out ways to do it. And also, we'll definitely dig into what was a major win for this franchise over that hated one up in Nashville, uh, the Tennessee Titans. We're hanging out at Four Score Golf Tavern, which is just a beautiful place, a uh, really cool storefront. You can walk right up on Atlantic Boulevard, right where the San Marcos Square is. Easy to find, parking in front. Of course, you've got parking in all the little neighborhood streets around here, uh, but we're not that far down from Publix. 1407 Atlantic Boulevard and Four score golf tavern membership drive you can find out about their membership their league and just come in and play take a look at all the simulators they have the bays we set up the island green i just happened to leak one to the right and went into the drink uh this last time out so i'm gonna go back there and try and hit it again but they've got all the different golf courses and many other sports that you can put on the simulator and the membership drive going tonight from five to eight beer and wine complimentary snacks as well so make sure you stop on by four score golf tavern now Let's wow you with XL Primetime's head coach, Dave Campo. Brought to you by Beaver Chevrolet. With wow pricing every day at beaverchevrolet.com. Well, theme music for head coach Dave Campo rolling in to XL Primetime. But he ain't running on empty. He's ready to rock and roll uh, as the Jaguars rolled up into Nash Vegas. And we say thanks to Beaver Chevy for bringing you Coach Campo. All things Campo. He can wow you with some of his thoughts. Coach. Are you fired up first off to be here at uh, Four Score? What a what a Tavern? what a place! Uh, huh? First of all, right. I love San Marco, yeah. but uh, awesome. they're in a perfect p- place, and yeah. this is awesome with the with the the golf stuff and yeah. and the food. I just had a meatball sandwich <laughs> right up my alley. Yeah, which is Coach great. Campo's always yeah. early. Yeah. He, he's never late, yeah. but I, I was very glad he got here bright and early for this to one sample. because he could see everything yep. and be witness to it. Because I know you got a whole crew rolling in this weekend for I Cowboys do. Week, so I, maybe uh, maybe you bring them over here. Well, I just met the owner and the general manager. It was mm-hmm. fun. They're good people. And oh, so yeah. you need to come down here. If, if you haven't yeah. been here, 
uh, you need to get down here. Absolutely. And, and, and it's funny because uh, the, the mayor, uh, Lenny Curry, is also a fan of this place, and he just he gave it 100% as far as what he likes about it, So, which was cool. Uh, and, and definitely this whole San Marco area, you can find a lot of cool stops. Yeah, the ambiance here yeah. is, yeah. is really yeah. great. You can't, you can't go wrong with it. All right, so let's get to – the vibe that came out of Nashville, Coach, you said going into this game they could be more competitive against this style of attack defensively. And Tennessee had a lot of injuries, but so what? This team rose up and beat a team they hadn't beaten since 2013 up there. Well, I felt really good going in when I found out that Traylon Burks wasn't playing mm-hmm. because, you know, the, the nemesis to this football team, in my opinion, is no cover people. Yeah, That's the issue. And that's what you ran into in Detroit. And that's what I was worried about, the fact that we were going to have to outscore them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but, you know, it's not just the style. It's the type of players. I'm all about matchups, you know, and how you match up with your people, with mm-hmm. their people. And, you know, you determine how you game plan based on what those matchups are. And I was a little nervous with Detroit. But I felt a little bit better. The only thing I was concerned about is, especially Leon, you know, I, I, I haven't been here in a long time, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a coach. Right. So I had kind of forgotten necessarily what the Titans were. But listening to Leon, you know, the physicality and oh, everything, yeah. that's what I was concerned about. And they started out with the with a little bit of physicality with with uh, the big boy. Yeah. and The diesel and, was up running yeah, early. Yeah, and, and I was a little concerned to begin with. But I knew we could, uh, we could load up on them, mm-hmm. and I wasn't really concerned with their receivers. So it, it worked out great. Uh, they, we matched up better with that group. So for Jaguar fans that now look at the week, loss two weeks ago to Detroit, that's the outlier, hopefully. Th- this, this win is not the outlier. But when you look at the game that was played on Sunday in Nashville, Coach Campo, where does this team still have to grow as they get ready to put their big boy pants on and face – those Dallas Cowboys in less than a week. Well, you know, the, the biggest thing to me is it, that I think that they looked like they were playing the zone stuff better. You know, and again, uh, you know, when you, when you play this team coming up, you know, you're going to have to change some coverages. And the better that, you know, our guys play, uh, 33, uh, Lloyd played better, I thought, in the game. You know, the more those guys are out there experience-wise, the young guys, the better they're going to be. And I think Tyson Campbell has grown. Uh, you know, uh, he made plays in that ball game, three or four passes broken mm-hmm. up and, and in position, in the right position and the right way of going up and finding mm-hmm. the football. So, you know, they have to improve on defense in this ball game for sure, and, and, and that's going to be a, a huge issue. So as a D.C. when you're with the Cowboys, even when you're the head coach, when, you, when your defense was struggling, did you teach – Stripping the ball. Did you teach, hey, we've got to get turnovers. we got to get short fields or we're in trouble. I just watched the Cowboy game against against the Texans uh, this morning. And, you know, you you go back to the Kansas City game. You know, I I kind of equate the two of them because I think, in my opinion, the Cowboys are a Super Bowl contender. Right. There's no doubt in my mind with what they have personnel-wise. Right. So when you look at Kansas City and you look at at, uh, the Cowboys – you have to, we have to turn the ball over for us to have a chance. One of the reasons we won Saturday, obviously, was we turned, Sunday was turning over the ball. You, you teach that. The one thing that I thought our guys made a great deal of improvement in in that game was running to the football. I thought their energy level in that ball game was the best I've seen them all year. 
And that's how you cause fumbles. You know, you could say, well, it doesn't happen every week. No, it doesn't. But, you know, the, the guy uh, that fumbled the ball on that hit from, from uh, number 50, uh, Quarterman. Yeah, Shaq Quarterman. He yeah. doesn't fumble. Right. So that's getting to the football. He was in the wrong place. Quarterman wasn't in the right place. <laughs> he fell and, twice. He yeah, admitted and, he and fell he ran, twice. And he ran over there and, and, and made the hit. And that's running to the football and being around the ball. And I think that's where we have to play this weekend. Is, is there a danger of going after the ball, like stripping and not tackling? I, I, listen. We need turnovers. Yeah. Right. We so got to get the ball. So it's so it's risk reward. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but the, but the first guy there has got to make the tackle. Right. The second guy there has got to go for the football. One more quick note from this Titans game before we hit the break, and then we'll mm-hmm. segue over to scouting the Cowboys, who we know Coach Campo knows well and still keeps in touch with a lot of folks out there. The run game, Coach Campo. They, they keep. So let's let's start with this. The offensive line kept Trevor kept Trevor upright. They have managed to do that in all of their wins and the majority of the last few games. But then my question is, is then with this run game, we know that part of it is that so many defenses are taking away the perimeter from Travis Etienne. And Travis Etienne has been vocal about that. They need to find ways to get him more in line, in between the tackles. It's just the nature of what defenses are taking away. So my question is, how do you count? Like, how do you set that up for him? Because knowing that he's not really, he can be an in between the tackles guy, but he isn't a bruiser. And so I know it's a different defensive line they're going to be going up against this week. But how do you avoid what every other team has been doing against this against the Jaguars? Well, first of all, you've got to be able to throw the ball a little bit to get them off of the eight-man box. You know, and the eight-man box is what really is the problem when you really get to it. The 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 thing that's hurt us, and and a perfect example was the Baltimore Ravens. They attack every play. They're they're play the run from rushing the passer, okay? So the way you combat that is to trap. You know, you've got to trap. You've got to pull, but you're running inside. You're not pulling to go to the perimeter. You're pulling to get guys up the field and then, you know, block them out and hit the crease. Mm-hmm. Now, Etienne should be good at that. They, they're not going to run what I call power plays where you've got a fullback or a, or a, a, a second tight end or whatever going up and, and leading an Emmett Smith type play where he's got to break off this. There's too much penetration. You're not going to run to the perimeter too much because of the penetration. What you've got to do is you've got to hit creases. And that ETN is very capable of doing that. But you've got to run that type of an offense. You can't run zone plays and things that are going to allow, right. you know, linemen going laterally and the defense pushing them up the field. That's what that's the tackle for losses. And when we start talking about the Cowboys in the next segment, the Cowboys are very similar to the team we just played against the run. So okay. it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, so, yeah, a challenge. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and then also defending those receivers is going to be a big key. Coach Campo hanging out with us. Uh, wow you. Thoughts from him, courtesy of Beaver Chevrolet. They want to wow you every day when it comes to great deals. Look for them online, beaverchevrolet.com. You'll find them right there on Phillips Highway. Uh, and they bring it with that Chevy lineup. And, of course, Beaver Toyota St. Augustine always bringing it with their great lineup of SUVs, pickup. Sedans and economy cars. It's all part of the Beaver family. So we got to ask Coach another thing. Trevor Lawrence called his club out. How much was that an impact on this last game? And then we'll look ahead to the next one. Coming up from Four Score Golf Tavern right here in beautiful San Marco. This is XL Primetime. 
Brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL. The Jacksonville Jaguars and Dallas Cowboys will meet for the eighth time since 1997. But uh, here's a saucy nug for you guys. The Dallas Cowboys have never won in Jacksonville. They have Saucy only nugs. Come, yep, only come to Duval once before. That was back in 2006. I believe Coach Campo at that point was on the good guys' side. He was yeah. a part of the Jaguars' staff that year, and the Jaguars won that game 24-17. to The other meeting where technically the Jaguars were the home team was in 2014, but that game was played across the pond in London. Judged on dubs, Coach, and you were on the winning side of that one. I right? like that. That's yeah. good. That's a good omen. You know, it's it's so funny. Way back when, went to Dallas uh, for a Dallas-Jags game, and the traffic was so bad. Like, we all complain about traffic everywhere we go. I got out of the Uber cab at that time. I'm pretty sure it was what it was. Anyway, just got out on the interstate and just said, see ya. Here's your money. I'm walking the rest of the way because it was – Was that pre-Jerry easy. World or yeah, post-Jerry yeah, World? pre-Jerry World. It ain't easy getting uh, – no, uh, and, and, and that's one of the reasons it's a lot worse now. Yeah, oh, I don't know? doubt it's it. It's one of the reasons I'm in Jacksonville, not in <laughs> Dallas, I can tell you that. All right, so let's get back. We're going to get to Dallas, but I do want to ask this one specific question, Coach. We're talking with Coach Dave Campo. You can always hit the text line, Design by Lifetime Enclosures, uh, with a question for the coach uh, as we are here at Four Score Golf Tavern in beautiful San Marco. Uh, what a cool place to hang out. Trevor called out his team. He basically said they laid down. He said that wasn't us. It's a terrible effort. He called himself out, them out. How much did that have an impact on the effort? I think it's fantastic, and I think it. it, it you know, he didn't specifically talk about any particular area. Right. He just really said, "We all." Yeah, we. He threw a blanket over the everybody. word is "we," yeah. and that includes him. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think he's one of those guys that takes accountability, uh, and and he now is playing well enough that his voice becomes even stronger, mm-hmm. and and to me. Uh, you know, I've said this. Uh, I said this on on uh, the fifth quarter mm-hmm. and Hacker uh, mm-hmm. after dark that fans out there, you're seeing a generational quarterback uh, evolving right before your eyes, and that's really uh, leadership as well. And I think that comes from all the other things that he's doing well. And and again, you know, we want him to progress, but that's a big factor in the locker room. You know, when you can trust the guy, and and he's a leader. Mm-hmm. So I want to bridge the gap between this uh, Jaguars-Cowboys game and the Jaguars-Titans game from one week ago, Coach Campo. Um, so I, I, want to, I want to bring up the Jaguars this past weekend against tight ends. I have a reason for this in a second. Austin Hooper, five catches for 68 yards. Chig Aconquo. I, see, I finally got Aconquo. it. Chig Aconquo, six catches, 45 yards, and a touchdown. All right, so you got those numbers. Now, the Dallas Cowboys this weekend in their comeback win over the Houston Texans. Their leading receiver, tight end, Dalton Schultz, with six catches for 87 yards. So my question is, as much as we talked the last segment about Devin Lloyd looked a little bit better out there, we don't know the status of Chad Muma, who missed this past weekend's game with the ankle injury. Foye Aluakon is leading the National Football League in tackles. But there have been question marks when they've had to go against tight ends. They succeeded against Mark Andrews, largely because Mark Andrews uh, and Josh Oliver couldn't bring in several very what proved to be critical catches at crucial moments of that game. They struggled against Travis Kelsey. I look at what happened this past weekend in Dallas, and I look at what happened in Nashville, albeit in a losing effort for the Titans, and, st- and other teams 
are targeting their tight ends against the Jaguars. What's your assessment of what sort of pressure that could create for their defense? Well, first of all, I think the area that needs the most improvement on the defense is the linebackers. Which is and, crazy because of how much they've invested oh, in yeah. it. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, uh, you know, I, that's an area where the tight end operates. You know, you're talking about inside within, you know, the 15-yard the, the area. And we've run into some tight ends that are pretty good run-after-catch guys, which we have mm-hmm. with, with Ingram. You know, that's a big difference. You know, when, you, when, you, when you've got open area, uh, they've transitioned from pure man defense to zone. Now there's openings in a zone. If you're not getting to the quarterback, if you are getting to the quarterback, the tight end's a number one guy because it's an easier throw. You can get the ball out to him. If you're, if you're not controlling the, the line of scrimmage, there's opens in the hole, you know, the holes of the defense on zones. So that transition, the linebackers are really struggling a little bit. And I like the fact that the Jaguars put the outside backers on – on three-point stances a little mm-hmm. bit more mm-hmm. in the game because they're not dropping them as much because they're not very good in dropping into coverage. So those are all areas where the tight ends are working, and, and you know, that's an issue. And they have a good one. Schultz yeah. is a good one with the Cowboys for sure. All right, so I don't think I'm breaking any news here saying they're not going to get home with four. But what do you do now at this point against this team that can run the ball, that can throw the ball? What do you, how do you get pressure – while still being being true to okay, we got to stop the run, because if you're trying to stop the run, you got to play man back there, and then you're in deep trouble. Well, you can play the run with with three deep zone too. I mean, it's just a question. Of, you know, you're going to get eight. You're going to you're going to get eight in a box. The problem that you have is, uh, in order to get more than four, right? You got to bring one of those linebackers or bring the safety, which they do in the run defense, and they do a pretty good job with that. Number two, and and Dewey. You know, they've done a good right. job of, of getting some tackles for loss coming off the edge. That's what they have to do, but those are his own blitzes. They're not straight man-to-man. So they're going to have to do some of that, I think, to get to him. Uh, and, and, again, I think with the, if, if we can control the run enough to get into third down, uh, I think with the hands on the ground, I think we're a little bit better pass rushes than, we, than we've been mm-hmm. with, with stand-up outside. So you're not bringing more than Even if you can get into a third and – seven or eight situation, yeah, you're still just bringing four. We don't have the cover guys outside to lock up. That's the problem. You know, that's where you, you, you almost have to zone right. pressure everything right. and play zone behind it. All right, you mentioned their tight end. We're talking with Coach Campbell as he hangs out with us on XL Primetime, thanks to Beaver Chevy uh, from Four Score Golf Tavern. You mentioned their tight end. Dalton Schultz definitely got off this past weekend. Evan Ingram did too. Evan Ingram had himself a game. I, I called it an Ingram takeover. It's the best game he's had in a Jag uniform. How important was that, and, and, and how important is it to, to be around on Sunday? Well, first of all, it's important because I think he's really a good receiver when mm-hmm. it really comes down to it, as long as he catches the ball. And he hasn't had many drops, mm-hmm. but he's, he's physical enough to run through tackles. He's also a good run-after-catch guy in the open field. Right. What they did uh, Sunday, in my opinion, is they took some of Kirk's stuff and they gave it to Ingram, okay. which is good coaching. Mm-hmm. I, because, I agree. You, because you're going to line up and you're going to know where Kirk is. You know, if anybody on that whole group, you know, you, you're going to know where Kirk is because Kirk's capable of catching one and going all the way with it. They went to a little bit more of a tight end scheme, and I think that's going to change from week to week because it. it's a committee. Mm-hmm. We don't have uh, 
Chase or we don't have uh, C.D. Lamb or we don't have one of these guys that are considered true number ones. We're a committee, and that means that you've got to out-coach people, and that's part of it right there. I think yeah. our staff does a great job with that. I, I, really, I felt like Doug self-scouted himself very, very well with that and said, I'm peeling back you know, another layer of how we can attack. Right, and scouting the other team that, mm-hmm. that you know, these teams are, are doing a little something different with Kirk. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm going to put uh, 17 in that right. same kind of a mode and make something happen with it. Which even then, Coach Campo, since you brought him up, C.D. Lamb, only five catches for 33 yards last week against the Texans. Michael Gallup, two catches for 40 yards. What did you see? And I know you watched the game a little bit, but not, you know, necess- I actually know, never mind, I see the note cards. Who am I <laughs> kidding? Of course he watched the Cowboys-Texans <laughs> game probably three times since Sunday. Um, what did they do to take those two away, and can the Jaguars replicate that? The same thing they did against us. Zone, they played zone, and they're good at it. It's not, it's not like us trying to play zone, and we're not quite sure what we're doing. And it's late in the year, and we didn't start that way. They've been playing cover two and quarter coverage four deep, uh, match up zones underneath for ever since Lovey was in college, going back back in the beginning when we were in the Cowboys. So they know how to play the zones, and and that was. Uh, you know, McCarthy made a big excuse that they played all this zone defense. They've been doing it all year. That's just an excuse. Mm-hmm. But it, it's vision defense, and you can see the ball. You can see where it is. Guys know how to play the coverage where they're close to receivers because they're matching within the zones, and, and that's how they did it. They, they were, and that's why Dak threw a couple of interceptions. Because, well, one of them was a tip, but the other mm-hmm. one, uh, he just threw the coverage because it's, it's a little more difficult to, if you know it's man-to-man, you can get the ball out pretty quick. So I heard Logman talk earlier this week about ETN's got to learn to not literally just throw himself into a pile. Yep. It, it's just the, the immediacy of what he's doing. Um, how do you teach that? What do you, do, what do you say to him? Well, I, first of all, I, I heard uh, Jeff, and he's good. He's a good analyst. Yeah. He, 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 you know, he played the game, and he's smart. So that combination is good. One of the things with ETN in the last ball game, uh, you know, he's a he's a hundred mile an hour go go. Yep. Right. Not only at the line of scrimmage, but when he gets past the line of scrimmage, that's one of the reasons he fumbles because he doesn't have the feel yet for where everybody is around him. You know, ne- Emmett Smith never got hit square. Mm-hmm. He wasn't fast enough to get hit square because when he got into the secondary, he was slower and he could think. Okay, well, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. Right. Etienne just runs. Now, the one thing that slowed him down a little bit this last week is if you watched him, every time he got into the secondary, his arms went around yep. the ball. Yep. Because, he, you know, he's oh, got yeah. the reputation of putting the ball on the ground, and he's not going to last in the league if he does that. Well, the evolution of that is Doug Peterson talking to him, uh, the, the, the running back coach talking to him, okay, that's beautiful. Now the next step is when you get into the secondary, look around. You know, slow down a little bit. Give yourself a chance to thought to kick in and see where everybody is, and then you'll be able to make some moves. That's the only way you can do it. It's just experience doing it and talking about it. But I think it was great that they got him to the point where he knows how important the football is, mm. and that's the most important thing that the offense can have is the football. Yeah. And getting hit square, will it'll it'll slow you down in a hurry. Yeah, not only the, yeah. with the football, but your own injuries. Exactly, your body. Yeah, exactly, uh, that's for sure. All right, coach. Uh, before we wrap up with you, Aline, 
a lean for Sunday. Well, or is it still too early? Do we need to go, do we need to circle back on Thursday? Which well, the lean? thing is, I, I love when he had that pregnant pause. Yeah, like, well, uh, the, he doesn't well, want the, to say well, what he might be uh, the, about to say. The thing is, you're asking the wrong guy because, yeah. to be honest with you, I said we weren't going to win against the Titans. So, <laughs> you know, listen, anything can happen in the league. I think the biggest thing is that the the defense has to, the offense has to stay away from Diggs. Yeah, they got to take care of the uh, Parsons. Uh, you know he's a he's oh, a yes. he's a game changer. Uh, if they do that, and and they are going to have to run the football, there's yeah. no doubt they're going to have to find a way. However, they do it, I think the game's going to be close. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. The Cowboys have a tendency to play down to the competition. Mm-hmm. When I look at them, though, that's a Super Bowl contender. There's no doubt in my mind. If they do what they're supposed to do every week. They'll, they've got a shot to win the whole thing. So it's going to be a tough ball game. Uh, I'm hopeful that our guys can hang with them, and, and uh, I'm predicting the Cowboys are going to win, but I don't, I, I don't want them to win. I want and, the, Cow- uh, the Jags to win. Helps that it's a Damn home right. game. Yeah. And that's, I, I think that's huge, right? Correct yeah. me if I'm right. It's huge that this, this young team, whether it was coming back from down 17 nothing against the Raiders or whether it was the shootout against the Baltimore Ravens, being at home should give you that extra edge. I, I hate to uh, stop the Kool-Aid drinking, but there's going to be as many Cowboy fans in the stands, unfortunately, and five of my kids are going to be there, and they're all Cowboy fans. Yeah, yeah. But I'm a Jaguar fan. That's exactly so. right. This is, this is going to be another UD3 yeah. turnover game, right? It, it's got, gotta, we've got to turn the ball over yeah. in order to win. We had yeah. to do it with Kansas City. We did it with the, Ra- Ra- uh, the Ra- Ravens. Hmm. That's going to be a key to the football game. All right, he's teal through and through now. I love it. Coach Campo, thanks to Beaver Chevrolet. He'll be back on Thursday with more, and then we'll try and kick out a Campo and Joe as well so you get one of your podcasts before we get ready for that game. Uh, and Darren Woodson will be part of our show Very on nice. Thursday. So looking forward to that uh, as we get ready to wrap ours up uh, from right here at Four Score Golf Tavern. What a beautiful place right here in the heart of San Marco. We'll tell you all, all that they've got cooking coming up in just a few. XL Primetime, protected by Preferred Roofing on 1010XL. Coach Campo is out the door, and he is truly a man of the people here at Four Score Golf Tavern. He loves it. Mingling with the locals. I'll tell you this much. I see uh, some action on the Twitter timeline. Uh, This one is courtesy of Mary. She says she agrees about the Jaguars' home field advantage, although she, like Coach Campo, heard about all those Cowboy fans buying tickets. Nuts. She says, please tell Coach C that he needs to ground his adult son so that they can't go to the game and add to the numbers <laughs> for the Cowboys. It's true. And, and, you know, the day will come soon, and, and I know it, I believe it, I feel it, and I know a lot of Duvals thinking the same thing, that more wins, you want to hold on to your tickets. You're, you're less inclined to part with them, and, and that's just what has to happen. And, look, this is not the only town where people invade our space. Did you look at Miami all the way out in, in sunny L.A.? They invaded that space against the Chargers. Meanwhile, and, and, the Steelers invaded down in at Hard Rock yeah, a few yeah. weeks ago. And, and a lot of Duval make, made their way up to Nashville uh, because that's also a ticket where you see a lot of out uh, uh, visiting teams come with their fans. Why? Because it's a good destination, just kind of like this is a good destination. Tell everybody th- about this good destination. Yes, Four Score Golf Tavern. That is where we not only are hanging out and broadcasting live from and hanging out in one of the golf bays. 
get in on the golf simulator action. They're going to have leagues coming up soon, so you can also sign up for one of those on their website at www.fourscoregolf.com. They also F-O-R-E. F-O-R-E, yes, yes. Thank you for reminding me mm-hmm. of that. Make sure uh, our non-golf fans know F-O-R-E. You could be a golf fan. You could be a baseball fan, a soccer fan. They've got all the sports that you can play as part of their simulators. But speaking of other sports, the bar area is fantastic here as well, and they've got awesome. a couple big TVs that are broadcasting the World Cup semifinals right now. Got I know a patio spot out yep, there. Yep, Argentina really just scored to go up 1-0 on Croatia from what I can see. So you can so go front and back in, at this 2-0, 2-0. Two 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 Thank, like Thank you, JJ. Thank you, JJ. 2-0, Argentina leading Croatia. Okay, cool. But so, you can go front It's just such a cool place. Yes, so, so you can watch your soccer. They'll have football here on Sundays. They've had football here on Sundays. Again, they've been open since the summer, so make sure you swing on by, especially today because after we wrap up, they're going to be doing their membership drive from 5 to 8 p.m. tonight. Complimentary beer and wine, snacks. You can learn all about the perks of being a four-score member, and you can also enter to win a Scotty Cameron putter valued at $400 or a complimentary four-score event package. Well, you could tape my one my one hand to a pint and my other hand to a, to a putter. It would just be a, a great afternoon. All right, JJ, before we get out of here, a little funky fact if you don't mind. Time now for a funky fact. Get funky with Funky Buddha. Holiday season, you're out and about, you're looking for you know a little different beverage to take to the party, whatever it might be. Uh, pick up some delicious uh, craft from Funky. Uh, Funky Buddha with their brewery in South Florida. You can find it in the cooler section of your local grocer. We talked about what Jalen Hurts has been doing. Okay, dude's been balling. So he has over 3,150 passing yards, 22 touchdown passes, and 10 rushing touchdowns so far this season. Okay? Fourth quarterback with at least 3,000 passing yards, 20 touchdown passes, and 10 rushing touchdowns in a single season. And we're not even through the season. Okay? He's the fourth to do it. One guy that is an absolute obvious is Cameron Newton. Okay? Who are the other two? Who are the other two? You see how I just took one right off of y'all's uh, plate right there? As Nancy Seeley comes walking in to say right, hello well, to Nancy kind of did. She kinda yeah, she like distracted. Remind distracted. us the quote or the, well, the exact uh, – I the, what see are our her as a four-score golf tavern lady. Repeat the question, Joe, please. At least 3,000 passing yards, 20 touchdown passes, and 10 rushing in a single season. Hertz is the fourth to do it. Cam was the first. Give me two more. Lamar. Lamar. Michael Vick. I'm going to go with Lamar and Russ. I'm going to go with Lamar. I'm going to go. It's going to be somebody off the beaten path. Anything, JJ? Maybe like Lamar and Dak. Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to say Lamar, Warren Moon. I know we got to go. Does Warren Moon work? No? Okay. I, I picked the wrong question because I know we got to go, Okay, go for it. All right, so Kyler Murray is one of them. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, Kyler Murray. And the other one, Slash. Cordell Stewart actually wow. did that back in the day. Hard to believe. By the way, you guys all make fun of me for Russ, yeah. Russ saying Russ all the time. Yeah. J.J. says Randall Cunningham all the time. Yeah. Well, he loves Randall. I know he does. <laughs> but, yeah. Which is good. All right. We, I had to get that one out, but that's a pretty good uh, accomplishment for Jalen And Kyler Hurts. Murray, by the way, confirmed it is an ACL tear. His yeah. season is over, and presumably it will affect his start of the 2023 season. It's terrible. All right. We'll wrap up our show and say hello to the Friends Show coming up next. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. 
from San Marco back to HQ. Frank Franzi joins us now. Franzi's show getting ready to roll. Uh, how big was that one uh, a couple days ago, Frank, up oh, in uh, Nash Vegas? Boy, that was good stuff, Joe. It really was. It was a fun one to call. And I, I said this yesterday on the air. Joe, of all the games I've called on the road, and look, we haven't necessarily had as many road wins as we would want, but even compared to the other road wins, I've never heard an opposing stadium so quiet, you know? It was. I mean, it was. I mean, it, you could hear a pin drop there, and it was glorious, bro. So it was great. It was, how's four score? You guys having fun out there? Having oh, a yes. blast. Had really you been nice. out here before, Frank? I haven't, I haven't man. But I want to. But I was watching. I was kind of following you guys today. I hear it's great. I want to get out there. I want to get over to San Marcos. So I'm glad you guys did that because I, I got a lot of buddies that live in that area. And they rave about the place. Rave about it. It's um. It, it, it. I think people more and more. You know, they find out that they can get on their feet and they can yeah. walk and see a couple real big parts of our town. And heck, the district's going to be growing. And anyway, yeah. South Bank, San Marco, Riverside. It's all good. Yeah, it really is. But is Matt there? Is Matty there? Is he gone? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Matt, yeah. 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 Matt, the Leech piece was magnificent. I mean, oh, thank just. You. Just magnificent. Did you have you guys all read it? Have you had a chance to read it? Me and Joe. Yes, yeah. I did this morning. Just yeah. magnificent, Maddie. Just honest, all your stuff is, but God, that was good. God, it was good. Read it well, twice. Well, you know, Leach. He's just yep. Leach is just a unique dude. He's yeah, a unique and character. I don't know him like you do. I told a story that and I told a story yesterday. And I tweeted it too. We were doing this college football showcase. We were trying to sell like half hour shows to these these colleges. We sold about four or five of them. So I called. He was at Texas Tech, and I called him to try and pitch the show to him. Right to, to pitch it to Texas right. Tech. And got on the phone, kind of like your story, although I don't know if he was on the toilet. But, uh, but, I, but, I, <laughs> but, but I called him. Matt, we, start, we talked 35 minutes, and never brought, I never got to it. And then finally, the last five minutes of the call, I said, hey, here's what we're pitching. He says, yeah, we can't afford it. And that was the end of it. And that, <laughs> <laughs> so 40-minute I mean, phone call, 35, talking about life, one minute talking about the proposals. Yeah, we can't afford it at Texas State. But thanks for calling. That was it. That was my whole That was my 40-minute conversation with Mike Leach. It was magnificent. Beautiful. But it was a great call, though. Wasn't it? it was a great yeah. call. I mean, we talked about right, life, right. and it was, it, was, it was the most interesting. I smiled the whole rest of the day. So, so that was it. But, and, uh, and for what it's worth, uh, JJ, if you're able to hit a that, Let's hit of that with regards to uh, Mike Leach. That just happened. Brought to you by Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Frangie's part of that right Yes, now? he is oh, because yeah. he brought up Mike Leach, and Mississippi State will play in their bowl game at ReliaQuest nice. State, uh, Rel- the ReliaQuest bowl game at yeah. Raymond James Stadium. As one state official told Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated, quote, Mike would be pissed if we didn't play. The bowl game is at a stadium with an actual pirate ship in it. <laughs> That's no, a great, great. You know what? That That's is a great awesome. point and good for them. Uh, also, go read Lane Kiffin's tribute if you haven't yet. It was fantastic. But, uh, but, I'm, but I'm serious about this. If you haven't read Matt Hayes on Saturday Down South writing about Mike Leach, it is just tremendous. So go back and read it. Uh, today we'll talk about that. We'll talk certainly about how good Trevor – what's the ceiling for Trevor or is there one? We're going to talk about that. Danny will stop by as well. And are you suddenly more confident? We'll get to that. We're going to get to Jack Miller the third if people know who that is. So we're all loaded up and can't wait to get started today, guys. Thanks, Frank. Appreciate it, man. All right. Y'all be good. All right. Frank Frangi, Ace Carline, Lauren Brooks, Agent Gibbs. They got it all cooking, and we got to get out of here. But we want to say a big thanks to Four Score Golf Tavern, Daniel and everybody there. Uh, you know, just a big old tip of the cap uh, for treating us, and they'll treat you too and show you uh, the digs from 5 to 8 tonight. Uh, a little opening for membership, uh, and they've got hors d'oeuvres. They've got drinks, complimentary wine and beer. So drop on by. 1407 Atlantic Boulevard, and it's four-score golf. I don't think we've done it justice, actually. I mean, it's 
phenomenal in here. Yeah, it's uh, look. It's, I'm just it's telling a you, really, really good yeah, place. And the service is just unreal yeah. from our from our good friends who we need to thank uh, Danny Hillman and then uh, Heilman, excuse me, and then his wife Carrie. They've been so attentive to us throughout this, and then of course Corey, who's the GM. They've been mm-hmm. popping in, checking in on us, and we know they'll take care, great care of you guys too when you stop by. And as soon as you say it, you say family, which is that's important. That means it's a, a family venture here. So definitely drop on by and support them if you can. Uh, four Score Golf Tavern, fourteen oh seven Atlantic Boulevard. We are out. Joe C. Me, O'Brien, MLB, along with Matty Hayes. Check out that piece on Mike Leach at SaturdayDownSouth.com. Big Sirs and JJ, good job as always. Tommy Champion taking care of us here. We appreciate that. We send you off to the Frangie Show.